Seek knowledge from the cradle to the grave. This program will give you the answers to all your questions from the beginning of time until judgment day. The hourglass is almost empty. So come and hear the dynamic teaching of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, Noble Tu Ali, Marcus Garvey, Clarence Lutheran Taylor, all those who wanted to raise Lost but now found peace in the wilderness of North America. Then on the next page, the 126th page, 
exactly. looking at three of his sons. And one of them is still alive today. The one in the upper right-hand corner, who right. they're saying is, when they made their mistake saying is Abdul Rahman. Abdul Rahman died in 1959. This man here, Ahmed, is still alive today. That. He was here, in fact, a couple of months ago, right in, in, in the mouth, living. The, the one, that's the one that's in 1935 and still living. That's right. right. He's still alive right now. Right. He's in Sudan, where Imam Abdul Rahman, on the next page, 25th, he died in the year 1959. Now, to the right of the man on the 26th page is Saif Fadiq, father, which is a man you see me with on the preceding page. We're standing there together pointing. Right, that is the prime minister. That's, that's right, that's right. That's his father up there in the upper right-hand corner. Beneath his father is his father's younger brother, which is my father. Okay. Imam al-Hadi Abdul Rahman al-Mahdi. You follow? Yes, I follow you. Now, what they're saying is that they're saying that we made a mistake and called Imam al-Hadi, my father, and his father, Abdul Rahman, the same person in a magazine many years ago. Okay. Now, but the fact remains that in the magazine that they found back then, yes. there was a mistake, but the mistake was not made by me because at the time I was in Sudan in the university, the American brothers and sisters who were Ansar Allah put this leaflet out. They put out like three pamphlets that had nothing to do with it. One of them was a Hajj pamphlet. One of them was a dietary laws of a Muslim pamphlet. Uh-huh. And that booklet, which I mentioned all these in this book. Yes, and the people who put it out are still in the mouth. Ansar, who put that out when I was overseas in the University of Khartoum, are still here. And to, to people, no, Imam Isa was not here. I immediately called them from Sudan and said, you made a mistake. You put a picture of my grandfather and her father at two different ages as if they're the same right. person. Right. And they had already circulated, so we said, this is, what's the big deal? So they made a mistake. <laughs> but for him to imply, I don't know what my own father looks like. Right, that's what, he, that's what he was yeah. saying. Which is also immaterial. It, it, yeah, right, exactly. I was going to say yeah. that, that, uh, not that I saw it as being important. Or, yeah, or but when you get to 1980, when you get after that, and you see me and the Prime Minister sitting together, the point I was trying to make to Dilal Phillips and Faraj Wahaj is that if I was just another American Negro who went to Sudan, mm-hmm. explain what I'm doing sitting in the, with the President. And if I was able to manipulate myself up there, why haven't they produced pictures of themselves sitting with the President? Oh. How was I able to manipulate myself into that, live in the house of the Mahdi? I'm living inside of the little man in his house. If I'm not related, what am I doing in there? Why would Sayyid Sadiq come back and forth to the United States to represent us on five different occasions? Why would a prime minister, check this out now, a prime minister of a country leave his country, come to the United States, visit the United Nations building, and then come on Bushwick Avenue to meet a man who's a fake? Why would he, a man who's the president of a country, think about this, leave his country, Visit the United Nations, the delegation has to sign in as a, as a diplomat, and then come over here and stay on Bushwick Avenue in the middle of the ghetto with a bunch of Negroes. Why would he do that? Uh, I, I mean, think... that would be totally suicide without security, without any, I mean, it would be totally ridiculous. They don't, you know, the Sunni Muslims are so narrow-minded, they just, they're so jealous, the bottom line. There's some of the things they say are so ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? They make some silly mistakes. I mean... You know, you can see over a period of years between 1970 and 1980 something, where me and Sayyid Sadiq al Mahdi had pitches back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Me going over there, him coming over here. Me going over there, him coming over. He's at my wedding in Sudan. I'm back over here. We know it's. I mean, it's such a ridiculous. You know what bothers them? What bothers them is I'm able to assimilate into America, speak like an American, act like an American. I'm brown. That bothers them. They want me to speak like my relatives with a twisted tongue. You follow? They want me to act like 
uh, Sudanese when I told them I was raised predominantly in America. I think like an American black man. I'm fortunate that I retain my language and that I retain my identity, my silsila, but I think like an American black man. You follow what I'm saying? Yes. And they, that bothers the Sunni Muslim, but that's how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala planned it. That's why he said, I raised up for you one from amongst your own. Has to be somebody like you. No Arab can't come over here and teach you because he doesn't understand what nigger means. Not really. You understand? Yes, sir. He doesn't understand what poverty means. He doesn't understand what living in a project means. He doesn't understand what welfare means. He doesn't understand that the black cop will beat you worse than the white cop. And the black meter maid will chase you down quicker than the white meter maid. He doesn't know that. He'll go up to the Negro cop when the white cop and the black cop comes and try to confront them as brother and get beat up. See, they can't deal with that. Allah knows what he's doing. He knows what type of man he raised up in the, in the West here. Get a follow that? Because the man that preceded me, Honorable Elijah Muhammad, knew what he was doing. And though many men tried to emulate him and tried to badmouth him, he knew what he was doing, which was obvious by the nation of Islam that he built. Not by what, not by what men say, not by what Bilal Phillips says, who has no congregation, no responsibilities, no messages, no schools, no nothing. Not by what Siraj Wahaj and Bethlehem and Bosun says who can't pay their rent for their messages. You, you judge a tree by what? By the fruit, by the fruit it, bears. it bears. Look at the work of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, and you can see that he was a great man, and that he was inspired by somebody or something. You follow what I'm saying? Without question. Without question. And the problem with the black people is the same problem we've always had. You know what it's called? The Joneses. The what? The Joneses. Keeping up with the Joneses in a doggy dog world. Black people hate this. The moment we see somebody like Johnny Mathis, and a black woman say, Johnny Mathis is a pretty man. He's a faggot. Uh, this is how we do it. Eddie Murphy's doing fine now. He's very popular. What's all the black men saying now? Eddie Murphy? He's a faggot. Uh, what's the name? Of, what's that girl? She came out. She was doing good. Uh, Dionne Warwick's relative. Oh, Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston? She's a dyke. Uh-huh. We, you know, we can't help ourselves. We just refuse to let our own people make it. And the moment here, and the moment, and that's, believe me or not, brother, that has been bred into us by the white man by making Mickey Mouse a black mouse, by making Daffy Duck a black duck, and, and Elmer Fudd can't talk, but he outwits them every time. And then by having a white man do Amos and Andy's voice. And then by having, you know what I mean? He has undermined our intelligence. This is what Honorable Elijah Muhammad was trying to tell us. He has undermined our intelligence with his trick knowledge. And he has us hating ourselves. So what happens when a Sunni Muslim hears about the Ansarullah community, they say, these guys got communities all over the world. There's millions of people dressed in white. They got a flag. Their kids speak Arabic. They read the Quran. They build a mosque on the ground up. They open. Now we're putting out our own products, our cleaning products, and toiletries and soap and toothpaste. We're getting into baby oil and baby powder. And we're, we're moving up the ladder of doing for self, like the Honorable Elijah Muhammad says. And some guys over on Bedford Avenue who can't pay his rent, of course he's mad. Because the white man is putting him on television. He brought him down, he puts the laws on television and asks him, what is Islam? None of these guys who graduated from any prominent Islamic universities hold no certificate. You know what I'm saying? They pull them out and say, now you know, and all you brothers in there have been following the Ansarullah community for years, know that we have had a drug-free community since the 70s. Ain't no drugs in the Bushwick session. You can move in this section and leave your door open. Because the dope fiends know, walk around Bushwick Avenue, because the Muslims over there don't play. 
Don't bring that stuff around our kids. We ain't having it. So now, here these guys come up three years ago and chased three drug addicts off Bedford Avenue, and they're on every major magazine and newspaper in the country. Why? Because the white man wants to make a Siraj Wahad known because they know he doesn't know what he's talking about, and in due time, they'll just embarrass him. You follow me? Now it's out of the do. When they ask out of what they think of Siraj Wahad, they'll say, well, he's a convert. He's an American Negro converted to Islam. You know, they'll, they'll write him down. Does he speak Arabic? Well, he doesn't speak fluently. He reads a little bit. You know, you know what I'm saying? So ultimately, then when you ask the Arab, can you understand the Quran if you can't read Arabic? The Arab will say, no. There's no way you can understand the Quran if you can't read classical Arabic. Then he'll say, now, does Imam Faraj Wahad speak and read classical Arabic fluently? Then they'll say, no. Which means, hey, he's leading people and he doesn't understand the Quran. You see the tricks they use? That's the game that these, these, these devil is using. Anything to stop people like Clarence 13X, the leader of the 5% nation, stop Imam Asa, the leader of the Nubian nation, stop Yahweh Ben Yahweh, the leader of the black Israelite Hebrew nation, stop any black leadership. Don't let niggas organize. Don't let them come together as a family and build. Don't let them realize who we are, the devil. This is what must be prevented. And because Imam Asa's program seems to be the most powerful. Why? Because I accepted the slander and went into the music world. Why? Because I saw that Marvin Gaye reached more people on one record than every imam in the whole world did giving a sermon on Friday. I saw that LL Cool J, Big Daddy Kane, Dougie Fresh, Third Base, uh, Kwame, uh, Shafi, and on and on and on, that these brothers who are rapping, like public enemy in them, are rapping messages out to the people. Now, I can sit around and play stupid Sunni Muslims and listen to a bunch of stupid Arabs, you understand, who tell me, don't listen to music. Don't dance. Don't, don't do things that I do naturally as a child of the motherland. And you know what the motherland is, right? Sudan called Africa by the Greeks. All right? So I'm, I'm supposed to listen to these men and cut off my soul. No, Imam Asa didn't think like that. You know what he did? I went out and assimilated myself in the hip-hop world and got to know Africa Bambara and got to know Jazzy Jeff and got to know Dougie Fresh and got to know all of these rappers and sat down with them by building a recording studio that he talks about in the book. He doesn't understand the power of building a recording studio. All the rap groups come to record with me. And when they come to record with me, I sit down and find out what they believe. Your father and what they want to do. And I come to find out these young brothers wanted to go out to do something about drugs. Wanted to go out to do something about the condition of their people. I said, well, then go out with the truth. And let me pour this truth on you. And if you can stand against the truth, then call me a fool. Now what happens is, because that, the Ansar Law community, you go out there and look at like album jackets by this rap group, you see our flag on the back of it. You see, thanks to Mom Ace on the back of it. You see me now involving myself with the Zulu Nation. Under African Mbada, they took their Shahada and became Muslim. And these guys don't have nothing else to do. Listen to me. The money they spent on that book, Ansar Cult in America by Bilal Phillips, yeah. they could have spent building their mosque. They could have spent opening a school for their kids. They could have opened a business to support themselves. I heard the Prado I got 10,000 copies of this book sitting in the mosque that we got to sell or give away. They should have took the money that they spent putting that, them 10,000 books, and did something for their community or for the women there so half of them would not be living in shelters or on welfare. You understand what I'm saying? I, I agree. Believe me, Imam Asa was not interested in writing a book about the Sunni Muslims. 
If I wanted to, yes. I would have done it years ago. I was writing books about how blacks are being taught that Jesus was a white hippie who died on the cross for their sins and keep turning your cheek for the white man to keep slapping us around. That's what I was teaching. I was teaching, like, don't let them tell you that Dr. Martin Luther King ain't no good. Don't let them tell you that Elijah Muhammad ain't no good. Don't let them strip the only black leadership you got. I'm not saying that everything that every one of these men taught was right and exact. That's not, I'm not a lost upon the I can't make that decision. Don't let them turn you against the Honorable Mayor Dinkins. I watched the Sunni Muslims come out in support of some Pakistanian that was running for office in Brownsville, but didn't come out in support of Dinkins, whose children is named Shabazz and Jamal. But the Sunni Muslims didn't come out to this man's aid. They would go out to some Pakistanian out of Queens somewhere who's pretending he's black for a day, but they won't come out for their own. And I can't live with that kind of stuff. You follow? And I'm not going to let them tear the Honorable Elijah Muhammad down just because a bunch of books, and let me make this real clear, a bunch of books written by men called Hadith that they say are the stories of the life of the Prophet Muhammad. This is not the Quran. I have never, ever read a Hadith in English or Arabic that started off, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. They don't start off in the name of Allah. They don't start off in the name of Rasulullah, his Prophet Muhammad. They start off in the name of men called friends or companions, Sahaba, or even women like Aisha, who shouldn't have been outside the house in the first place, because the Quran 33, 33 tells her a woman's place is in the house. But these men want to live their whole life based on these traditions and lay aside the laws of Allah. I'm only teaching one thing, and that's why I'm hated. And the one thing I'm trying to teach is, first, that we believe, Ashadu Allah ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika That only, that's the most important thing, Allah alone. Then we will deal with his prophet. First, we got to establish tawheed in our hearts. We got to learn to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and give all gratitude, all praise, all thanks, like we say, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. All of it goes to Allah. In Fatiha, in the first verse that they've taken from the fifth part of the Quran and made the first, nowhere in that chapter do we get mention of the Prophet Muhammad. Nowhere. It's talking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do you understand? That's my goal. My goal is to reinstill belief and loyalty and devotion in Allah wahdahu la sharika lahu. Alone, without partners. Then we'll deal with his prophets. And we'll deal with them in order. And that means from Adam down to Nabi Muhammad, Khatim Enbiya, the seal of the prophets. But we'll start understanding Adam and read. And we won't get a thorough story of the prophet Adam in the Quran. It's not fair. We have to go to the Torah. And if you open your Quran to the fifth chapter and the 47th verse, the Sunni Muslims maliciously added the word was, Kana, which is not even in there. When it says, we sent down this Torah to you, it has the word guidance, and they say, was guidance in translation. You follow that? Yes. These are things that frighten me, because this shows that the devil is busy, and he's trying to make us not understand the beauty and the boundaries and the gifts of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They're trying to turn us into men worshippers like they turned the Christians in when Jesus left the world and went to the bosom of Allah. They immediately turned him into a god. When Buddha left the world and went to the bosom of Allah, they turned him into a god. You understand? And those Sunni Muslims are trying to do the same thing now. They're trying to send us to hell. We worship who? 
Allah. Allah what? Alone. Who has what? No partner. Then if you want to say, Ashadu wa la ilaha illallah, wahtuhu la sharika lahu. And then if you want to add, Muhammad Rasulullah, fine. Once you establish in your mind first and foremost that you worship Allah and Him alone. Right. You understand that? Yes. That's step one. But see, they lie. And I made a statement. And the statement is that a lot of men calling themselves Muslims are liars. They are devils pretending to be Muslims. You understand? And they're altering things in the, in the laws of Allah over a period of time, adjusting words. They have us worshipping men instead of Allah, worshipping stones instead of Allah, worshipping tombs, relics, uh, whiskers. They, got, they have the whiskers of the Prophet Muhammad <laughs> in Jerusalem. They have the whiskers in a canister and Muslims go there and make dua. I was in Egypt and in Egypt they have a masjid and a shrine to one of the Prophet Muhammad's daughters and one of his wives. And they go there behind this door, and I've been in the masjid myself. And they make sure they kneel down, they lean on this thing, and they say, and they give prayers there. Show me that in the Quran anywhere. Show me where it says we're supposed to do those things. We don't supposed to pray to nothing or no one but who? Allah. And Allah alone. And if any man, me, or anybody else, steps in and tries to direct the focus of our prayer, from the one creator of the boundless universe in any other direction, then he's acting the part of the devil. I don't care how many degrees he has or what Islamic universities. I don't care how good his Arabic is. I don't care how he dresses, how much perfume he wears, how much kahol he wears, how much sunnah he recites. If that man or that thing tries to make me and you worship anything or any man other than Allah, then that man or that thing is acting the part of Satan. Do you understand me? My mission... And it's going to be difficult. And I'm going to be hated. But I'm in good company when I'm hated. Because they hated all of the men of law sense. If they like me, I know I'm doing something wrong. You understand? I agree. I'm going to be hated. I'm going to be slandered. I'm going to be reviled. People are going to say all manners of evil against me falsely. I expect all that. I accept all that. But wait a minute. Either they're going to get back on the path, the Salat al-Mustaqeem, or they're going to get out of Islam and stop pretending. But they're fabricating a new society that the world is beginning to think we are. And they're judging us by that stupidity that they teach. And I'm not going to teach no stuff like the black stone is, like I said on that tape today, the black stone is black because of no sin. Yeah, you ain't feeding that stuff into my son. Right. You ain't feeding to me that the Prophet Muhammad was white. And if I say he's black, then he's a, I'm a kufr. Why? Because you white? You're not feeding me that stuff. You're not going to feed me that garbage about going to Mecca and kissing a black stone and praying and rubbing shrines and laying up against brick walls. You're not passing that stuff on to me. I worship Allah, and the East and the West belong to Allah. You understand what I'm saying? And that's, I'm in the Western part of the world because it said the light would shine out of the West. Out of the East and under the West, and so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. And that's exactly what I am, the Son of a Man. I'm not the Messiah. I am not the Mahdi. I am the son of a man, a wonderful and a great man. Imam al-Hadi, alayhi salam, a wonderful and a great man, my father. And whether the whole world denies it or not, listen to this. Many Sunni Muslims say, Imam Isa is not a part of the Mahdi family. 
Do I need the Mahdi family to raise my people? Does it sound like with me talking, I have to add that one more headache on my life? Wouldn't I be a greater man if I did this and said, I am not Sudanese. I am not tied to any Arab. I was born and raised in America. I'm American Negro. Now listen to me teach. Wouldn't I appear greater to be raised up in America, an American, without any Sudanese ties at all? Why would I pull on a burden of a, of a country, my own, that I love, and of all the, the gossip and the slander and the accusations that come with me saying I'm a part of a family if I'm not? Why do I need that? For what? Would that impress y'all? Does it impress y'all that I'm part of Sudanese? Or does it impress y'all what's in these books? What's in the books? And if you took out every reference in these books to Sudan and the Mahdi family, the books would still be the baddest thing out. If you took all of it out, the truth is truth. So I am not saying I'm Sudanese just because I want to pick one of the countries in Africa to identify with. And I don't care if nobody believes my blood. My blood speaks for itself. You follow? So the Sunni Muslims are angry, and they have a right to be angry because I'm coming at them. I'm coming at them. You know what I'm I wouldn't be coming at them if they didn't spend time on me. I was busy breaking crosses and taking off the heads of swine. I was trying to bring Christianity to a reality in the minds of black people in America. That's all I was doing, showing them Jesus was not crucified, who his father was, who his mother was, where he came from. He was not, he was not a deity. He's definitely not a lost of what Allah I was bringing that forth. I was not bothering the Sunni Muslims. Here comes some old nappy-haired Negro, born in Jamaica, raised in Canada, don't, and never met me in the flesh in his whole life, never talked about this Bilal Philip, never met me, never talked to me, never visited our community or nothing. And he's going to write a whole book about our community. Start off the book saying I was born in 1935. Start off the book wrong. I mean, when the Arabs told him, don't write the book unless you got the facts, just start off the book wrong. I said, you want to see some facts? I'll write facts. I'll write a book three times as large as your book with a hundred times as many facts, if you want facts. And now that I've gotten used to doing this, I enjoy it. So now I'm writing another book. Right. Next book is called 360 Questions to Ask a Sudi Muslim. And they will not be able to answer. People are saying, you're attacking Islam. No, I'm not. I'm attacking the tradition that has bred itself in Islam and these fake practices that are taking men off the path in this blind faith. If you're going to say you're a Muslim, you say, Amanta billahi wa 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 rasuli. If you make these declarations, they're not just saying believe. That's why they suck that word in their belief. That's not what Amana means. Mu'min is not a believer. Mu'minati is not a believer. The words Mu'min and Mu'minati or Mu'minun come from the word Amana. We will continue with the true light after a brief intermission. <laughs> This is the original temple of Kedar, where we have available a vast selection of books, prayer beads, prayer rugs, Latin Arabic, Quran, and the Old and New Testament of the Bible in Arabic. Also, we have multiple pamphlets and leaflets on the truth, posters and portraits, which display the prophets as they really were, Nubian. Now available, a full-color portrait of the Last Supper, the real Last Supper, portraying the Messiah Jesus and his disciples as they really appeared, as black men, Nubians. The original tent of Kedar is located at 717 Bushwick Avenue, Brooklyn, New York, 11221. Or call us at 718-452-9329.
We will now continue with the true light. Aleph, Mim, Nun. To be faithful. To have faith. And they'll tell the Muslim, you have to have your Iman together. You have to have your Iman together. Your faith. Your faith. Then they put a, a meme on that same word, faith, and call it Mu'min, and then change it to believer. I don't believe in nothing. It comes from Allah. I have faith in it. I believe in you. <laughs> I believe my boss is going to give me my check this week if I work. I believe my car is going to cross the Jersey Turnpike on my way to Philadelphia. But I'm not going to put my faith in it. I'm going to have the engine checked and make sure the gas tank is full. Then I can put a little faith in it. When it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I have faith in Allah. As he is. I don't need no, 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 nothing decorating him up. I don't need no colors put around him. I don't need no robes put on him. I don't need no rocks, no buildings, no flesh. I believe in him as he is and his unique qualities because the father I'm content with that and that's what I'm here to teach you that now that Islam is in the West it's going to be at its best it's going to be pristine purity and if they can't deal with it get out the ring go ahead well wait, let me comment on this sex life for Muslim book the sex life for Muslim book that I've written Oh, uh, that's where they're coming. This is not for you. I understand oh, where you're okay. coming from. I can feel right. it. Believe me, I feel it. I'm talking to people who they question about the sex life of a Muslim. They say Imam Isa wrote a book called The Sex Life of a Muslim, and it is disgusting. I just want to ask them how they get their kids. They still teach their kids that a stalk flies. You can't do that. It's about to before. Kids might get lost. Stalks fly over houses. How do the Sunni Muslims make babies? Do they have sex? Why are they trying to take one of the most prominent thing in everybody's life and pretend that it does not exist. And then have children raising them and not telling them about it. The whole Muslim world needs to write books on what Islam says about sex. If you disagree with what I say, then write your own book and prove it wrong. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Write a book about sex and say, this is wrong because look, this is wrong because look, this is wrong because look. But don't pick up the book and say, this is wrong because it's disgusting. Why? Because I'm explicit. The book says for adults only on it. Now, if you give it to your kid, that's your fault. If you see your kid with it and don't take it out of his hand, that's your fault. You, if you saw your kid with the wrong kind of comic book, you take it out of his hand. This is because I've met too many Muslims in the years. But when you become an imam of a community, people come to you with their problems. You understand? Most brothers who are not leaders don't know that. And so you think, gosh, I've been hearing it for 20 years, all these different rumors and things. I'm going to write a book as explicit as I possibly can about sex for a Muslim, what he can and what he cannot do. Here's where their problem comes in. They want me to put in the book things that Hadith says and say that Allah says it. And I'm saying, I am not going to do that. Then don't ask me to write in the book because some guy from Pakistan or Russia or Saudi wrote it in a collection of Hadith and you worship it. I don't believe that. That is up to you to make the decision. The things that Allah does not mention specifically or explicitly in the Quran, I am not taking it upon myself to add to that. Uh, he didn't say you can't, so I'm not saying you can't. I'm saying, like he says, go into your wives any, by any way you wish, because she is a fertile ground for you, was what the Quran says. Allah didn't even drop to the level of dwelling on subjects like that. Those are animalistic Attributes, a lot of address those filthy, low subjects, as they call them. 
What do you, what do you, what do you people think Allah is? He's not dwelling on your sex life. Those words are telling you right there that he does not indulge in any form of sex and he is not the product of any form of sex because the root word in there is wallet. You understand? He did not father any child nor was he fathered by anybody. He doesn't deal in those subjects. He speaks to you in general. I gave your wife as a helpmate to you. Your wife is fertile for you to produce. He doesn't get into the intricacy about your sex life. What you do and what you don't do, that's our animal nature. You understand what I'm saying? That's a human being in us that makes us dwell on how much pleasure we need to have and how often we need to have that pleasure. And for them to involve Allah in it is, is, is blasphemy. It's, it's ridiculous. There's a book about sex because Muslims, like everybody else, have to know about sex. What's clean, what's unclean about artifacts that are being used, how dangerous these things can be, about diseases like syphilis and gonorrhea, and now AIDS, and who knows what they'll have next year. They have to know this. And if no Muslims don't write about this, and I've been around a lot of them Pakistanis, I'm going to tell you, they're so soft, you can coat them in marshmallow and sell them. They ain't got no masculine bones in their body at all, because they've been raised That's in an all-male society. They wasn't allowed to have girlfriends. I'm not saying you can go have a girlfriend. But don't make girls think it's wrong for seeing men as cute. And don't make little boys think it's wrong for seeing little girls as, as pretty. If your little boy sees a little girl neighborhood, he's a Muslim, he says, Daddy, I think she's pretty. Yeah, she's pretty. Then you explain to him why he doesn't pursue her, why he doesn't try to take her virginity, etc., etc., etc. But you don't just say that's wrong, that's a sin, you're going to hell. And then you're wondering why your son is sore. Comes home, he's getting beat up every day. You gotta raise your, your son hard. Make him a man. You understand what I'm saying? If you don't, he's gonna be soft. And you're gonna feel bad when your son is getting beat up. But you're gonna wanna beat him up for getting beat up. We're trying to raise a nation, the Nubian nation. I'm talking to the women in there. Y'all want men or y'all want woe men? What do y'all want? Tell the men what you want. Muhammad didn't tap dance into Mecca, he fought his way back to Mecca. Jesus was turning tables over. He wasn't no punk. Abraham came to get locked by force. He fought a battle. He wasn't no pushover. And I'm not saying that we have to be revolutionists, and especially not against each other, but we have to be prepared against anybody who comes against us to defend our family and our women. Is that right or that wrong? That's correct. And if they call me crazy for that, then let me wobble in my insanity. Go ahead. Well, uh... I, <laughs> I don't know what to say behind that, but, but no, actually, uh, uh, of course, you know, issues like sex and things like that have to be addressed, and uh, I, I didn't uh, read the book, uh, Sex Life of a Muslim. Anyway, in uh, Bilal's book, okay, uh, when, he, uh, when he spoke on the issue of uh, sex, I noticed in the rebuttal you didn't address it, you know. Uh, of course, you know, I knew that I had a book on the press called Sex Life of a Muslim. I knew I had a book that was in the press at the same time called Sex Life of a Muslim that I had just finished. So the reason why I didn't have to address that subject in this book is I had just finished the whole book that was getting ready to come out within a couple of days called The Sex Life of a Muslim. It addresses each one of the Sunni Muslim subjects that's in Bilal's book already. The reason why I didn't deal with the pictures extensively in this book is because I knew I had another book coming out right after called All Pictures of Sin. You follow me, John, today? And it yeah. may be able to go right there because when I had finished writing the stuff that I got on the Sunni Muslim, I could put it in the back of a truck. 
I had so much stuff. This thing was almost 4,000 pages. I had to throw away stuff and say, I can't use all this stuff here. Yeah? I had just so much research on Sarajo Hodge and them, I felt like their parents. Well, <laughs> I said, I'm not going to use this stuff. I didn't even fear to do this to these kids. You know what it is, though? When you grab them for straws, and when they came yeah. down after 20 years of trying to really get down to slandering mommies after all the years, and all the slander I've been tolerating for a long time, when they really got down to trying to write a book, they didn't come up with anything. Yeah, I agree. They yeah. really could, when they came up with it, and when you read the book, it's like, come on, look at these people you went to. You know, people been out the mosque yeah. 15 years ago. Some guy had a daffy to tell them, this nigga was me to death, and they believed it. How can you believe that me and a guy took a truckload of a, a coin to a bank on, on Utica Avenue? How can somebody, that's how you know the guy who wrote the book don't have no bank account, first of all, and though he's still living in the project. First of all, they won't even count that stuff. They'll tell you, I ain't counting this. Plus, how did me and this guy carry half a million dollars worth of coins? So how come the government don't know? It is little things like that that people should have just said, this guy here is not writing a book to reveal anything. They just, they just, just trying to it. stop yeah. the answer of our community. Yeah. Let me ask y'all people, can they stop us? No. <laughs> what no. is wrong with them? Look, all we're doing is getting greater and stronger in the name of Allah. Ain't no stopping us. Well, what about the people that don't really know? Like, all right. They also, the scripture tells you cannot be responsible for what you don't know. However, the Bible said, what did Jesus say? All eyes shall behold his glory. You got a chance because the Messiah Jesus is coming. The stupid Sunni Muslims don't have enough sense to teach this. They don't realize they're not teaching that the Messiah is coming. They keep leaving out one very important element, and that element is salvation. Sunni Muslims do a lot of preaching and a lot of doctrine, but they don't never tell nobody what about salvation. What about the saving of our souls for the sins we've committed? And that is done through the Messiah Jesus. He is your salvation. And that's why Islam even says Jesus was exalted in this world and the hereafter. That's why Islam teaches that the Messiah Jesus will come back at the end of the world. Because he is the Savior. He is the source of salvation. And them fools won't teach that. Salvation is to come, not here. And Muhammad told us, in the Nasrullahi Qareeban, surely the help from Allah is coming. In the second chapter, 214 verse, in the Nasrullahi Qareeban, when his disciples or his followers turned to him and said, Muhammad, when will the aid come? He said, surely the aid is Qareeban, near. They say nigh because they don't want us to understand what it means. They know black people don't use words like nigh. It says then, Allah, he went back. Nasrullah, 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 and Allah. What do they call Jesus' followers in the Quran? Nasri, Nasri, Nasrullah. You people are the true followers of the Messiah. You would be real Christians. Not Christian by the Christian Greek word Christos or the Latin word Christos or the Greek word. No, but by the word Nasrullah or Ansarullah, and when Allah says, when you see the Nasrullah come, that, that'll be the victorious opening of the seven seals. Muslims, Sunni Muslims are absent of salvation. Ask them, what is their salvation? They have no answer. They read hadith, they read books, they pray, they go to Mecca, they fast, but they don't speak about salvation. Though Rasulullah Muhammad did say that Jesus was coming at the end of the world in all their hadith. But they won't talk about it. And that is the salvation. That's your only hope. Without hope, <laughs> you can get it. You ones in this room here who say you must, you better start acknowledging and start looking for and praying for the return of the Messiah and get away from this rigid, orthodox, Sunni Islam that has nothing to do with salvation. There's nothing in that. All it says is pray five times a day, go to Mecca, talk to them, say, where's the salvation? Salvation is in the Messiah, Jesus' return, to claim the righteous, who he calls and follow Allah. Or Nasrullah, or the Nasr. 
Well, for all intents and purposes, I am. I'm not a Christian by Christianity as your interpretation of some white guy nailed on a cross for you. But I am in the sense that I believe that the Messiah, Jesus, is going to come to save you and that we are bringing him in. We are his heralds. We are bringing you up to the par where you are prepared to receive him and receive the grace and the forgiveness that only comes through him. Muhammad never claimed to have the power to forgive anybody. He didn't. He merely said, I came with this Quran because it will clear up all the confusion and all the conjectures that people made up about Jesus and all the other prophets. I made a statement a while back. I want you all to relate to this. If I make a cake and I don't put flavor in the cake, you with me? I don't put any flavor in this cake at all. Now, the cake is just plain cake. And a white man calls it. What kind of cake you want? I want a plain cake. That means it ain't got no flavor, just plain. Now, if I add chocolate in the cake, then it becomes what? Chocolate cake. If I add marble, and I want to make it chocolate and strawberry, if I put some chocolate and some strawberry, we call it marble cake, because we're confused now. Now, whatever I want you to taste in the cake the most, I put the most of it in the cake. Okay, now. So now, if Jesus is mentioned in the Quran more than any other prophet, and he is, then Allah flavored the Quran more with the Jesus flavor than any other prophet. Huh? Now, are you with me? So what does he want you to taste when you read the Quran? Jesus or Moses? If he put more stories about Jesus, more names about Jesus, more about the purity of his birth and the miraculous things he did while he was on earth and the powers he was given while he was on earth, the Quran is saturated with more information about Jesus than any other prophet. Mind you now, if Allah is making a cake and he puts more chocolate, he wants you to call it cake, what kind of cake? That's right. Nowhere in the Quran does Muhammad say the Quran is his. Nowhere he says this is my Quran. Nowhere. Muhammad was a prophet sent from Allah bringing us the Quran. That it could clear up all the confusion in the books before and prepare you for that chocolate cake. And the chocolate in the cake of life is Jesus. The prophet most mentioned in the Quran is Jesus. Allah wanted you to recognize Jesus out of all the other prophets in the Quran. Now, if you got a better argument, let me hear it. Devala, but them Sunni Muslims have no salvation. They don't even know what they're doing. They just pray, fast, and sit around and read traditions of men called Hadith. They better hurry up and wake up and realize that the world is quickly coming to an end and they have no proclamation for salvation. You can't ask them how they're going to be saved. They don't know. Think about it. Talk to the Sunnis. Say, well, where's your salvation at? Well, if I'm good, I'm going to go to heaven. Okay, if you're good. But what about all the sins you already committed? Because I got like a brother named Siraj Wahaj from Montauk, who stands up and tries to sell this book to Ansar Cole. He goes out his way to push this book on us. And, and right? So all them brothers and sisters sitting over there in Takwa better get up off the floor and get over here where we say we have to get salvation through the Messiah so that you can be forgiven for making those mistakes. See, they're not asking for salvation for their previous sins. They think after they took their shahada, they're over. How many of y'all took your shahada and then the next couple of days committed another sin? Y'all are true. You know you, you know you did. Innocent are sitting there pretending. And if you did that, all the other sins are back. And all the ones you had before... You got rid of it, your shahada. The moment you committed another sin after that, you got all those sins back. Now you got to start doing deeds. Now it's about matching them with good deeds. All the stuff you said, man, I took my shahada, I mean, all the stuff I just snatched, talked beat up old women and did this and did that. Boy, it's all over. And then you went out and did something wrong and it's all back. I'm back to the beginning. That's right. He gave you a chance. 
Then he says, Jesus is what? He shall be called Jesus because he shall save his people. It says the Lord came to Moses, but grace, which is a form of ni'mah, which is forgiveness, came to Jesus. Them Sunni Muslims don't realize, especially if there was once an Elijah, I'm the father of 5% or a Buddhist or worship any kind of statue or idol or saint, they better hurry up and look for some salvation. Because without that salvation, they're not going to heaven. And anybody sitting in that mob listening to them is going to hell. Because the leader ain't got salvation. How are you going to take you? He's sitting there without instruction. He's going to drive you somewhere? I know how to get there. Let me see the map. I don't need a map. Well, let me see the protocol. Well, sit there and tell me before I pull off. I ain't got to tell you. Trust me. Trust you? I trust nobody but who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I ain't trusting no man. I trust Allah. Don't trust me. Trust Allah and Allah alone. Any man that tells you to trust him, you better really not trust him. You ain't got nobody but you and Allah. That's why when you make Salah, you're making it really to you with you and Allah. That's why I you you whispering and you're talking out loud. Part of it for the congregation to know you're there, and the other part between you and Allah. And the most important part, you're saying by yourself, Allah only listens to him. See who's grateful to him. Our sustainer, you are worthy of all grace, all praise, all gratitude. Those are the words you whisper. Those are the things you whisper. That's between you and him. Nobody else. If somebody finds his partners with Allah, they're going to hell. And they don't have some form of salvation. If you assume Assalamu alaikum brothers and sisters. This is your brother Eddie from the D Show, and I have some amazing news for you. We just made a down. Sunni Muslim, you think your salvation was 1400 years ago, and here you didn't commit the sin after the 1400 years ago. You didn't commit the sin in 1967. Here you talking about you going to be saved because what Muhammad did 1400 years ago. You better clean up your act. And start looking for the Messiah like the Prophet Muhammad predicted that will come and remove the sins from the world and hopefully removed out of your heart for when you were binding partners with Allah. You all understand what I'm saying? If that sounds like Christianity, then I'm a Christian. If you think I'm going to sit around and be with you all, and you don't have no direction, you have to mind. I'm not getting no car and let you drive me somewhere and you don't know where you're going. Now, if that upsets you, I'm sorry I'm upsetting you. But the truth is truth. Want me to, want me to water it down so I can feed your ego? Because that's what black people do. You know, they like that, you know. They like you to water things down so you can feed your ego. Don't talk like that, brother. Don't, think you're don't do that, brother. It says the scripture comes with a sword, a two-edged tongue, just cutting up lies. My job is to come here and cut up lies. I didn't come here to win no popularity contest. I didn't come here to be liked. That's not my job. My job is wherever I see a lie to correct it with the truth, regardless of who it hurts. What does the Prophet Muhammad say about that? Speak the truth, though it is bitter to others. What I might be saying may sound like a bitter pill, but it's the truth, and you know it is. You know what I'm saying is true. It might not, you might not like it. You might not like me, but I'm not going to dance with you anyway, so you ain't got to like me. I'm not here for that. My job is to clear up the lie. And I've been doing it for 20 years, and nobody's been able to stop us. When you read our doctrine, who can stand against you? You're the only group of people looking for people to ask you questions. Everybody else is trying to avoid questions. The only people out here can answer questions are you. Because you got a book here. Well, I'll find, wait a minute, I'll be right back. I'm going to find in this book here. Page, so just, just be patient. Page, so, so let me see. There it is. Or you say, I'll be back some point on Sunday and act that crazy, man. When I come back Monday, I have this answer. You got patience. We're the only ones that can do that. Why? Because Allah has showered his blessings on us. But don't think every time I talk to you, I'm going to massage your ego and make you feel good. Because that's not my job. Sometimes I got to tell you the truth, and it may sound harsh, but it's true. I don't like everything I say either, especially thinking, but I got to live with it because it's true. And it hits me the way it hits you. Truth is truth regardless of what I like. Sometimes I say things, I feel like saying, shut up. But I didn't commit myself to something. 
My mouth won't even let me not say it. I try to control my mouth and the answer come out anyway. But that's where a lot of plans things. You understand? That's what reformation means. People will have to contend with the truth. And we have to reform it, bring it back to pristine purity. We follow Mila Ibrahim. We follow Abraham's religion. If you have any further questions, call now. Area code 718-452-9329. 718-452-9329. If you would like a safe copy of today's broadcast, contact the original tense of Kedar by calling area code 718-452-9329. 718-452-9329. Come out to the village of the Ansarullah community where we are raising the 144,000 children of light. Come home to the Tabernacle of the Most High and get your questions answered by visiting the Hall of Knowledge every Sunday afternoon from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. at 548 Hart Street, Brooklyn, New York. How's it going? This is Seth Williams. I'm here with Ben Maddox of AcreTrader.com and my treasure troll here. <laughs> the reason we're here is because Ben works with a company called AcreTrader. And AcreTrader, why don't you explain what AcreTrader is, Ben? Uh, AcreTrader is a farmland investing platform. Uh, investors can go on our website and see the different farms and properties we have up there. And in really just a few minutes, a few clicks, uh, you can directly own shares in U.S. farmlands. And we have some minimums as low as $5,000. So is it essentially like a real estate crowdfunding platform? Is that the idea? Yeah, basically. So we're crowdfunding individual investments in each of the farms. And you do directly own each piece of farmland. Okay. Yeah. For somebody who has never even thought about investing in farmland, why farmland? Like, Why would somebody want to do this? Yeah. Well, first off, uh, farmland's boring, and we love that about it. Yeah. But really, when you look at the big picture, farmland has some, some pretty great returns in terms of its historical performance. Um, and on top of that, it's a lot less volatile than other asset classes. And at the end of the day, you still own a real asset, too, in farmland. Sure. When people want to invest in farmland with you guys, do people invest smoothly? And have no partner. 
and that all gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the sustainer of all the boundless universes. All gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the generous eternal friend, and send salutations of Allah on all of his prophets and his apostles, and on the Messiah, the anointed one, and on the Mahdi, the guide, and on the Mujaddid, the reformer, which was all sent from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We send greetings and we send peace throughout the boundless universe to all. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. And now, the true light featuring a Sheikh Isa al Hadi al Mahdi. Assalamu alaikum. Being an ex follower of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, I would like to know, was my brother a true Muslim or the teachings that he was being taught were they tampered with? Here's the reality of it. When you and I say true Muslim, we got to be very careful that we're not using a measuring rod established by some red or pale Arab from Saudi or Egypt, you follow, as to what a Muslim is. But that's what they're doing. See, when a so-called Sunni Muslim makes this measuring rod, he uses the word mainstream Islam. Ansars are not in mainstream Islam. Farrakhan is not in mainstream Islam. By mainstream Islam, they mean that me and Minister Louis Farrakhan did not allow anyone to come in and inject their thoughts directly into my mainstream and go directly to my head without question or doubt or reason. These Sunni Muslims are American Negroes converting to a religion being given to them by Red Arabs and they don't have the right to even question it because the Quran says the scripture has no doubt in it. So if they have anything that they question, for instance, I want to ask you a question. Do you pray? Indeed. Ask a Sunni Muslim, does he pray in the direction of the black stone? He'll say yes. That's idol worship. Then he might say, well, I don't worship it. Then say, that's adoration. And that's salutation. And the word for salutation in the Quran is salli, which is the word salat. You follow? So they do worship the black stone, which is not black, by the way, but brown. So in the Arabic language, when Allah calls it in the Quran, Hajjwatu Aswad, the black stone, he's really referring to something brown. So again, when a Sunni Muslim says, well, you're not really black, you're brown, he's making a mistake because according to Allah, <laughs> the color black is brown if he calls a black stone, which is in actuality a brown stone, because I've seen it with my own eyes in Mecca, black, Allah's idea of black is brown. And then the color for brown in Arabic, bunni, comes from the word bena, meaning my children. <laughs> you see, in Arabic. You see the trick? So now the point I'm trying to make is, when they ask, is the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, or was the late Honorable Elijah Muhammad, a kufr as Bilal Phillips and Siraj Wahaj and other brainwashed Orthodox Sunni Muslims put it, what they're not doing is they're not consulting the Quran for the definition of Muslim. You know what they're doing? They're consulting the Hadith and the interpretations of men. Let's consult the words of Allah for Muslims and see what it is by the Quran and we'll find it in Surah Al-Baqarah. Now, Surah Al-Baqarah is known to be what chapter of the Holy Quran? The second chapter of the Holy Quran. And it's the largest chapter in the Holy Quran. Right? Let's see what this 
Surah Al-Baqarah has to say about what a Muslim is. Then we're no longer dealing with, we're dealing with Allah. All right? The name Surah Al-Baqarah comes from the word Sahaba. That's the first thing. And this is what he says about a Muslim. Bismillahi ar-Rahmani ar-Rahim. In all things, in the illustrious name of Allah, he yield us the most merciful. Alif, Lam, Mim. Adam, Laylatul Qadri, Muhammad. That's what these letters symbolize. From Adam, the night of power, when all the scriptures came down to the prophet, and Mim, Muhammad. Alif, Lam, Mim. He starts with the chapter. Zalika al-kitabul la rayba fi hudan lil-muttaqeen. This text has no doubt in it. It is a guidance to those who are taqwa, who have fear and tremble at the words of Allah. Whether they are the Torah or the Injil or whatever book, they fear the almighty words. Now what does it say? Al-ladhina wa the third verse. Those who are faithful by way of the unseen, right? And they exalt prayer. And of the things we provided them with, they offer freely. Arwi Laj Muhammad believed in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he didn't interpret him as just a man the way people say. That's not what's happening on Article 12 on the back of any Muhammad speech. On the back of any Muhammad speech under Section 12, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad referred to Master Farad Muhammad as the Mahdi and the Messiah. Correct? Then he said, Allah came in the personage of. Allah himself says in the Quran, I breathed into man of my soul, Ruhi, and man became, Al-Insan Sara, what? A living being. So every man has the personage of Allah in him, insofar as the breath of life that came from Allah is inside every man. The men who are most learned in Al-Islam, they call Mu'lana, having its root word in Alaba, one of Allah's names, Al-Alim, the knowing. You understand what I'm saying? So every man that is endowed with a certain amount of knowledge who's called Mu'lana or Mu'allim, has taken a portion of Allah's name, Al-Alim. Al-Alim Muhammad never implied that Master Fraud Muhammad was the unseen creator. Here he says, who is Allah? Right? The Asiatic black man, maker, owner, queen of the planet Earth, father of civilization, and God of the universe. So what he was saying is, because Allah had put his spirit into every black man, all black men were God. That's throughout his writings, and it's very clear. And that one from amongst them, supreme being. And the Honorable Muhammad stressed that being, like the dictionary, meant a mortal or physical thing. He called Farad a supreme being, meant that he was the most intelligent being that he had ever met. That's how the Honorable Muhammad put it. Now, however, the Orthodox Muslims want to mistranslate it and slander and alter it, that's their prerogative. But if you read the message to the black man and the writings of Allah Elijah Muhammad, that's not what he said. He called him the Mahdi and the Messiah. And there are Muslims all over the world, in different parts of the world, that have declared men the Mahdi and have declared men the Messiah. The Saudi Arabians, on the other hand, 
the Wahhabi sects that are now buying out everybody haven't had their Messiah yet or their Mahdi. So as far as they're concerned, they are the only ones that are right and they're mainstream. And anybody who does not go along with their interpretations of Islam has to be kufr or sainted or some other name that the Sunnis belt out against other black leaders, almost always black leaders. Because when Ahmed Didat from South Africa, an Indian brother, did a whole thing, a whole book and live video on the number 19 that he extracted from Rashad Khalifa, an Egyptian brother, then a couple of Saudi Arabians came up and said, the number 19 is not authentic, but they didn't never debate against it, they just said it. Never has an Arab who speaks Arabic debated against the number 19. Bilal Phillips did it, some Canadian Negro. Pakistanians are doing it. No Egyptian has ever went up against them whose native tongue is Arabic. No Sudanese has ever went up against it whose native tongue is Arabic. No Saudian has ever went up whose native tongue is Arabic. It's always converts to Islam who are versing the number 19. But this man, Ahmed Dida, who the Sunnis are now exulting because of his videotapes of arguing with Jimmy Swaggin, etc., he supported the number 19, and now he retracts that as if it never happened. He is a part of mainstream Islam. You see what I'm saying? They select what mainstream means, and they select what's right and what's wrong. The point I'm trying to make by this verse is the Honorable Elijah Muhammad did believe in an unseen deity. While when he spoke about Master Prophet Muhammad, he was giving him a Christ-like image, and like a Christian would, the Christ-like image is God incarnate. Muslims pretend they disagree with this until you enter into the covers of the Quran and investigate the life of Jesus compared to any other prophet. Is any other prophet in the Quran called El Messiah, the Messiah? Yes or no? Yes. Who? Uh, you said, uh... Israel? Indeed. And then they say that the Jews call Israel a Messiah, not Allah. Nowhere in the Torah or El Injil or Zabor will you ever find the prophet Israel being called a Messiah by the Jews. Nowhere. It's not there. You follow that? I follow. Next, Allah calls Jesus El Messiah in the Quran. The Messiah, son of Mary. Now, being the word El Messiah, according to Orthodox Sunni Muslims, existed in the Torah before the Quran. And because they're not smart enough to know that Arabic and Syretic is the same language, they think the Torah was Hebrew and the Quran is Arabic. We have to go back to the Torah language that they believe in, which is Hebrew for the definition of Messiah, which is in Hebrew, El Messiah, an anointed being, a supernatural being. You follow that? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does know the definition. Now, Allah refers to Jesus in the Quran as Ruhu. He gave him a Ruhi. He says, Ruhi. I sent him a Ruhi, my soul. Name in Al-Islam is Ruhu Allah. Allah's soul. Muhammad is never called that. It says, and in Islam they support their hadith, that Rasulullah died. He died at a certain age, and they have his remains in the city of Medina, in a tomb that Sunni Muslims go to and make a dua to Muhammad doing Hajj, which that cannot be found in the Quran, by the way. They innovated that into it, but they do it anyway. So, Muhammad's remains is on earth. The Quran tells us that Allah took 
Rafa'ah. Took Jesus what? Rafa'ahu ilayhi. Up to himself. The Quran further says, don't say people who die in my path are dead. They live on. So according to that Quran, Jesus, son of Mary, is still alive with Allah in heaven. It doesn't say that about Muhammad. You see what I'm saying? I follow. So their idea of mainstream Islam is innovations of hadith and traditions of men, fabricated stories that can't be substantiated by the text of the Quran, but can be backed up further by other hadith. For instance, they say, well, any Muslim knows that the Prophet Muhammad said the two things that Allah left were the Quran and his sunnah. Yeah, they throw it at you. But you don't never stop to say, wait a minute, is that in the Quran like that? No, that in itself is a hadith. So they're actually using a hadith to support a hadith. <laughs> and they turn at you and Ansar and say, the writings of Muhammad says that he left two things, the Quran and the Sunnah. I don't deny that he might have said that, but that is a hadith supporting a hadith. When are they going to realize the words of Allah are more important than the words of men? So, as far as Honorable Elijah Muhammad believing in the Master Fraud Muhammad as being a spirit God, or being likened to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the creator of the boundless universe, nowhere in his doctrine does he say that. Who is the original man, Asiatic black man, maker, owner, cream of the planet Earth, father of civilization, and God of the universe. All of those things are physical things. And that we are, because Allah said in the Quran, that he created me and you as Khalifa fil Ardha, as his successor on earth, the caretaker of the earth. So we are the maker, the owner. We are not the creator. Allah is al-Khaliku. But we do make things from things he created. We do own the planet because he gave it to us. We are the cream in the planet because we are the original black people. We are the father of civilization because we had civilizations in ancient Nubia while the white man was up in the mountains eating flesh raw and crawling on all fours. And his half-breed uh, Arab brothers was with him in their blood. So then we are gods. We are gods. Didn't it say in the books of Psalms, didn't he say, did I not say you are God? You're just not Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're not a law, but you're a God compared to every other being on earth. Compared to every other race of people on earth, you are a God. But you're not a law. <laughs> you see, that's what people make the mistake. There's a difference between God and a law. A law cannot be turned into a female. God can have goddesses. Allah has no partners. So when they say, La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah, they've just binded partners with Allah. Whenever you say Allah, he's alone. Then if you want to say, where and Muhammad is as apostle you can. But you don't do it. Otherwise, you're, you're uh, shirk. You're guilty of binding partners. Think about it before you respond. Now he goes on to another verse and says, this person upkeeps prayer. The honorable Elijah Muhammad taught his followers to pray. Yes or no? They yes. may not have agreed with the way the mainstream of Islam, Orthodox Sunni Muslims got their interpretation out of Hadith to do it. But according to the Quran, 90% of the things that Sunni Muslims are doing in their prayer are not in the Quran. Ask the Sunni Muslim to show you anywhere in the Quran where Allah says, stick your finger in your ear three times. Ask the Sunni Muslim anywhere in the Quran to show you where Allah says, stick your finger up in Tashahud and go at Tahiyatu. Ask him to show you these things. He can show you bowing in the Quran. He can show you prostration in the Quran. He can show you wudu in the Quran. But he cannot show you a lot of little things. Ask him to show you anywhere in the Quran where it says Allah said, turn your head to the right, 
and speak to one angel and turn your head to the left and speak to another angel. They're so ridiculous about these traditions. You know what they say about the pictures of the wall? Angels will not go into a house where there are pictures or dorms. Is that correct? Is that not what the Sunnis teach? Yes, they do. Do you realize that when Siraj Wahaj and them got arrested and had to go into the court building with all them pictures, the angels got lost in Manhattan? Because when they got taken into the court building where there's nothing but images and idols, the angels had to stay outside on the steps of the court building because they don't enter in there, these fools believe. What ridiculousness. What stupidity to teach children. And I'm not going to teach that garbage to my children so they can start believing in Batman and Superman when the white man introduces more fiction and fantasy. It makes us gobble it up. Truth is truth. I'm going to teach what the Quran says and not what a bunch of men have created because they don't want to recognize the return of the Messiah Jesus in the world. So they fabricate a bunch of garbage so that they can create their own religion. So any Muslims better wake up and accept the fact that the Quran is saying that Jesus is coming as a sign of the end of the world. And that the Hadith they believe in says that Jesus will descend in a physical form at the end of the world. They're trying to evade that. Those are devils who stepped in after the Prophet Muhammad and changed his religion because he followed Mila Ibrahim al-Hanif and he followed the religion of Abraham in the Holy Quran, the second chapter of 130th verse. They have changed it and fabricated a whole new religion, call it Sunnism, Shiaism, and basically Mohammedism, which they'll deny. They worship the black stone, they kiss it, they worship the Kaaba, and the Muslim following that stupidity is they teach them that the black stone came down from heaven white. And when men kissed it, it turned black. Am I right? Indeed. That's what they teach. And they teach me, a black man, through the knees, that the black stone was once white and is black because of sin, he's trying to tell me I represent sin. And any black man that sits there and listens to that has to be crazy. Am I right? Then they tell me <laughs> that the black stone was brought down from heaven by an angel. And I asked him, are there rocks in heaven? Angels are carrying rocks, so the angels are physical. Then they tell me that the devil can't be physical, yet they go to Mecca and pick up 21 stones spin rocks, seven apiece. And those rocks are supposed to represent Satan. He can't come in a physical form, but he could be a rock. Three rock pillars in Mecca. Three Satan. That's their own trinity. I will not teach that garbage to my sons and daughters. I will not teach that garbage to your sons and daughters. You understand what I'm saying? Indeed. And the Sunni Muslim want to believe that stuff and thus say the army Elijah Muhammad or Imam Isa or... or Noble Juali or any of us are not mainstream Islam. I am not injecting white supremacy into my veins or into the veins of my son, which is mainstreaming. You understand? So when them Arabs are telling them to be in mainstream Islam, they're talking about boosting a bunch of poison right to your brain. And one of them poisonous thoughts is that the black stone is black because some sins are in it, which means sin is black and you're synonymous with that. Or I ask them all the time, and I tell you to ask them, Name three red or pale Arabs you know named Bilal. Why don't they name their kids Bilal? Why do they avoid Bilal's name? They name him everything but Bilal. Why? Because whenever they talk about Bilal, they call him a Ethiopian slave. Even though he has been out of slavery, according to them, by Abu Bakr Sadiq, Aisha's father brought him into his freedom. Whenever 
fathers are Sunni Muslims talk about him, they still refer to him as an Ethiopian slave. And then got the nerve to tell me that they're not racist. And call me a racist because I say Adam was created of black blood. That's racism. Because Allah made us from a single male and female. Yeah, but what color was that single male and female? Because somebody's going to get cheated out of this conversation. Because you say Allah created us from a single male and female, that's two people. Yes? Now, how many races do y'all identify? Black, brown, red, yellow, and black. So which two are in this? <laughs> which two are the single male and female? Are they two black? Are they black and white? Are they black and brown? Are they black and red? Are they yellow and white? Which two is he talking about? Oh, they both of the same race. And they both were created from the same source. What was it called? Talk to me. It was called... Ham and Sasailin, black mud in the Quran. And that includes Latinos, Cubans, Dominican, Panamanian, Japanese, Malaysian, Indonesian, Vietnamese, all of us are one black family. He may have got into our blood and messed around a little bit here, but ain't nobody in this country as nappy as your head, as dark as you think you are. You ain't no blacker than any Latino brother you meet on the street. Is that true? Was that true? But as one family, we're powerful. Divided, we're nothing. And I will not let them divide me from Minister Louis Farrakhan and stick me under the umbrella of some multi-billionaire Arab so he can poison my soul. Because my belief is in Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and his Quran first. And I accept all of his prophets. And I will not put Muhammad above any prophet of Allah for nobody. Only Allah. Concerning the honorable Elijah Muhammad, he did tell his followers to pray. Yes, he did not teach that Master Muhammad was a lost upon Allah because he couldn't speak Arabic, so he didn't understand the definition of a law. He was giving him a Christian definition of a law. Came in the personage of all these American Negroes, all these years, believed Jesus was God who came down the flesh, walked the earth for three years, got crucified on the cross, resurrected, and said he's coming back, and they're waiting for him singing about him, slapping tambourines, having chicken and pork parties. He's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back. Then the Honorable Elijah Muhammad comes and said, he came back as Master Prophet Muhammad, walked with me for three and a half years, left. He said he's coming back. The same story, three and a half years, white man come, disguised, God in the flesh, to teach people. He left and said he returned for you. All of a sudden, you crazy. Tell me what you're trying to say. If the white man gives it to you, you'll believe it. But if a black man gives it to you, you can't. You're a bunch of black stallions being led by a white palomino. Y'all better wake up. And then you can't step into a world where there's been racism for all these years and just say, stop saying it. That is not how you do it. You got to replace it with something. Am I right? Indeed. You got to come in and say, you said Adam is white, he's black. You said Moses is white, he's black. You say, wait, wait, wait. That's racism. What about what you was doing for 400 years? Don't call me no racist. I'm correcting your mistake. And I'm a racist. But I open the Bible, and I can see white pictures of Jesus and Moses and Abraham and everybody else. And history proves that wrong. Is that true or is that true? It's true. But when I say it, I got to be a racist. When the white man says it, he's a historian. I don't hate white people. I don't hate nobody. I don't have the time to hate. I have to build. Because they call it race because they started running before we did. That's why it's called racism. Because 100 years ago, he ran and held us back. 
And now that we're starting to make some leaps and bounds in our life with the Honorable Mayor Dinkins, which I'm proud to say, and you should be too, the Honorable Mayor Dinkins, the late Honorable Elijah Muhammad, and the Honorable Dr. Martin Luther King, and all these other great black brothers that are paving a way for the future, instead of y'all going up against them, you better support them. Get behind your own, because the white man supported get whether he was right or wrong. Is that true? Or is that true? How long, black man, black woman, are we going to tolerate this abuse? I'm not advocating no revolution. I'm advocating read the revelations. I'm not telling us to get no guns and try to hurt nobody, because then we'll become as wicked as they are. But know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Wear your red, black, and green, or black, red, and green. Don't get pulled into that Jamaican flag that they're sneaking in on you now. They didn't add a new flag in there. It's red, orange, and something. Jamaicans, just like Americans, is in slavery just like you American Negroes. Their flag ain't no better. Marcus Garvey was a Jamaican, and he did not endorse the flag of Ethiopia. He endorsed the red, black, and green flag. Did he not? Don't let them stick in no new flag and get us confused. We were doing pretty good with the black, red, and green flag. Now they got four or five different colors popping up just to confuse us. You know how that works. Don't fall for that garbage again. Take that other place, take that off and put on the black, red, and green. We all agree that that's our flag. But we can all agree that we're black. That you can agree on, can't you? Visit the original tents of Kedar, where we have available for you a vast selection of books. Prayer beads, prayer rugs, Blacks in Arabic, Quran, the Old and New Testaments of the Bible in Arabic. Also, we have multiple pamphlets and leaflets on the truth. Posters and portraits which display the prophets as they really were, Nubians. Now available, a full-color illustration of the Last Supper, the real Last Supper, portraying the Messiah Jesus and his disciples as they really appeared, as black men, Nubians. The original tent of Kedar is located at 717 Bushwick Avenue, Brooklyn, New York, 11221. Or call us at 718-452-9329. Now the original Tense of Kedar is introducing a brand new Matthew collection of beauty and healthcare products. You must come home to your own where you'll find a full line of products for the righteous who want to look good and stay healthy, too. Try our pure soaps, skin creams, hair pomades, toothpaste, and shampoos, which contain all natural ingredients. And now, The True Light, featuring Sheikh Isa Al-Hadi Al-Mahdi. This thing going on, the Sunnis and the Ansars, uh, with the brother uh, Bilal. There would be no conflict between the Ansars and the Sunni had they not wrote a book about us. Our focus at the time, and everybody knows and remembers, was on trying to straighten up the lies about Jesus the Messiah. He was writing a series of books about Christianity. I had never written a book specifically geared at attacking the mistakes of screen Muslims ever. Your father, I've written yeah, multiple yes. books on multiple subjects, but never once have I sat down and said, 
Ask the Sunni Muslim this. Ask the Sunni Muslim that. Check into their communities. Check into their lifestyle. Check into their diets. Check into their dress codes. You follow? Yes. Uh, or check into someone's personal life or into their family or who their kids are and who their wives or wife is. I never did that. I mean, there's times that I wanted to, but I said with the devil, the white man, would love to see two black organizations, though they don't consider themselves black. They really don't. They consider themselves Arabs. But they would like to see two black people badly. They want to see me and Minister Louis Farrakhan go at it. They won't see that. I won't ever go up against Minister Louis Farrakhan as long as he's trying to do things for black people. They want to see me and Clarence 13X or his father, the 5% go at it. They won't see that. That's not the game I play. You follow that? Yes. But the moment an Orthodox Sunni Muslim starts trying to pretend he's not African, trying to pretend he's not black because he's found some new love in Saudi Arabia with some red Arabs, then I'm upset. When they start trying to teach that the Prophet Muhammad was a white man, when everybody knows he was a black man of Sudanese descent, and then they push out pictures all over. See, most Sunni Muslims have never traveled. So they don't know in the white Arab world, they do push pictures of the Prophet Muhammad and the, on his successors and different men in the Bible as white. If I was not to mention, they have certain hadith by a man named Bukhari, it says the Prophet Muhammad is white. I will not teach that garbage and that stupidity to my children, nor yours. You follow? And if I was going to direct questions at them, here's the kind of questions I would direct at a Sunni Muslim if, people, if they wanted to debate. Do you worship the black stone or not? Yes or no? Of course, they will say they don't worship the black stone. Now, I will say, then say, in what direction do you pray five times a day? They'll say Mecca. I'll ask them, is the black stone in that direction? They would have to say yes. Then I'll ask them again, do you worship the black stone or not? They again would say no, because we only pray through it. Then I would ask them, well, on pilgrimage to Mecca, do you kiss this black stone that is in the direction of the east in which you pray five times a day? They would have to answer yes. I would ask them again, do you worship the black stone? You follow what I'm saying? Yes, I do. They're not ready for questions like this. Because the bottom line is if you analyze the Orthodox Sunni faith, they come out, people worshiping a black stone. But that's not as drastic as this. Ask one of them, why is the black stone black? And they will tell you because of the sins of evil people who have kissed it or touched it over the years. They say the angel Gabriel brought the black stone down from heaven and it was white. Now, this was the Orthodox Sunni Muslim speech. And it was a white stone. And because people kissed it, their evils went into it, and it turned black. Are y'all following me thus far? Now, if you, ask, if you stop at that point, say, excuse me, brother. Are you saying that evil and sin is black? Again, the Sunni Muslim will say no. He said, did you say that the black stone was once white? They'll say yes. Did you say that sins of evil people, when kissing and touching it, went into it and turned it black? They'd have to say yes again. And then if you say again, are you saying that sins and evils are black? They'd say no. Do you understand what just happened? Yes. If the black stone turned black because of the sins and the evils of people, ask them, why would y'all drape the Kaaba in a black drape and not a white drape? If black is synonymous with evil, and then any orthodox Sunni Muslim who is of African descent with black skin who died just as that rhetoric 
and still faces the Kaaba five times a day. He goes to Mecca and kisses a black stone when the white Arab is telling him that black is evil. Something is wrong with them. You understand? They need help. Because somewhere along the line, someone has them thinking that black is evil, black is sin. Let me do this again, okay? For you to teach that the black stone in Mecca is black because someone kissed it who was evil and their sins went into it and turned it from white to black is to tell me that black is sin and evil. Are y'all with me? You hear that? Now, if I'm a black man, I'm standing in front of the Kaaba, and a black stone, by the way, is not black. It's brown like you. The color of the black stone is brown. I've stood in front of it in Mecca. It's not black like the black of, you know, like the color black. It's brown like the average black person's complexion. For a pale Arab to teach me, a black man with brown skin, that the black stone was turned from white to black because of sins of evil people, you realize what he's telling you about yourself? And then for me to go to Mecca and acknowledge that as a black man, there's got to be something wrong with me. The lights are on, but nobody's home inside my head. You follow? So the conflict that the Ansar Allah community has predominantly with the Sunni Muslims are simple questions like that that they don't have answers for. You think you're fighting against me, another man like you, made of mud like you. You follow? You think that's who you're wrestling against, and you're not. You're wrestling against a higher force. The, the pen that writes the books for y'all is not me. I, like I say in all the books, of my own accord could not do this. You know what's so funny? Again, Orthodox Sunni Muslims say, oh, I know Imam Isa when he first took his Shahada in State Street. That's one of the things they say. I remember him before he was a Muslim, except they got a whole bunch of this rhetoric. And then they don't look at the book and say, well, if this man took his Shahada then, that's the first time he was exposed to Islam, how did he manage to accumulate all of this information? in that little bit of time. When they can't, none of their imams can. Their best can't, you follow? The point is, I am nothing but a piece of mud. The message that's coming to you people is coming through me, not from me. I am oftentimes shocked by the books myself when I proofread them. <laughs> and the information that flows and how it matches up and the predictions that come true. Like I said, last year, they had an argument. And the funny thing about it, the book was finished before the California earthquake. The California earthquake had been predicted years before it happened, right? When I finished the book, I said, as far as the earthquake in California, it has not happened as of yet, if you read that in the rebuttal book. Now, it has happened twice since then. Yavala? Yes. Now, I couldn't have made the earthquake in California myself. There's no way in the world I could have caused an earthquake in California to happen twice. All I could do is tell you what is coming through me as the true light of Allah. When I say as, I'm not saying I am the true light of Allah. Don't misinterpret me. I'm saying my pen is guided by the masters, the elders. Because some American Negro or Jamaican-born Muslim has not had the experience of being filled with the Holy Ghost, as it would be in Logan Arabia, being filled with that holy soul. They have not been touched by anything divine speaking to them. Thus, everybody who says they were has to be crazy. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad said he saw the mothership 
He spoke to the elders. The Orthodox Sunni Muslims say he's crazy because they didn't have the experience. Uh, Nobu Juali, the founder of the Morris Science Temple, said the same thing. They say he's crazy. Right? Again, it happens. I say I've seen the mothership, been upon it, a member of the circle of the elders, and the divine is sending messages to you through me. Not me. I'm not doing it. You understand? Let me repeat that. I am not doing it. Coming through me to you, I have to be crazy. Now, I say, if I came out of the university in Cairo, Egypt, and I was white with blue eyes and a blonde beard and a brown jalabiyah, which they call a juba, just so they don't want to follow the Quran, and a multicolored hagia, and then said it, I believe that the Sunni Muslims would believe it. You know why I say that? Because there was a mosque called Darul Islam here, a movement on Herkimer Street, 52 to be exact. And when we were propagating our doctrine here, they said I was crazy. Don't listen to him. You answer the worship in Imam Isa. Don't do this. Then out of Afghanistan by way of Pakistan pops up a man called Sheikh Jalani, who came in and said he was the Mahdi, that he was a Sufi with spiritual light and broke Dal Islam up, dissolved him into Taqwa, Iqwa, Masjid, Mukmin, then went on back to Afghanistan. Because he was a light-skinned Arab, the same Sunnis who say Ansar's worship Imam Isa was wrong, dropped everything and became his followers and moved from Herkimer over to Livonia inside the post office and set up their community there. You understand what I'm trying to read? Yes. That's where we have our differences. Allah says, I bestow knowledge upon whom I please. And for them to say that he has not given it to me because I don't fit the color barriers of which they want to worship is their problem. Anybody who reads the books have to say, I know darling well this man ain't writing all this stuff. If you take the time to read all the Ansar doctrine, a new book came out yesterday, Our Pictures of Sin. Why am I putting this out? Because the Sunni Muslims cannot show you anywhere, anywhere in the Quran where it says you cannot have pictures. They will jump to Hadith or try to use Exodus on you, of which they say they don't believe. The book of Exodus is tampered with, but when it comes to certain points like circumcision, which is not found in the Quran by word, they will jump over to the Torah or Abraham. You follow? So I put a book out to say, you should have a picture of your mother, you should have a picture of your father up in your house to show to your children. That's your lineage. That's your family. You should be proud to show them who their, their grandparents are. And if they say that's a sin, Say, I'm not showing them their mother nor their father because I think that they are Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It it's a sin to have pictures and say that it is the creator. It's a sin to say that that picture is for them. I'm using the word God. You can't take a picture out and say this picture is Allah. That's a sin. But you can have a picture of anybody else, prophet or angel, as long as you're not saying it's Allah and you're not putting up for worship. Otherwise, every time the Muslims travel to Mecca by the millions on pilgrimage, you understand? Yes. The Muslims that are behind the customs office receiving their passport, as they look at their pictures, they're all sinning. If it's that silly and that stupid to think that just have a picture of yourself on the wall in your house, or a picture of your mother, or a picture of your father, or your grandfather, or the Mahdi, or Elijah Muhammad, or Master Farad Muhammad, or, or Clarence 13X, or Noble Juali, is a sin. For you to do that in your house is a sin because these men are so afraid that they're going to go into mortal worship. 
That's why they say don't have a picture of the Prophet Muhammad. The Prophet Muhammad is not a law to me. I have no intentions of worshiping him. So thus I can put his picture on the wall and point at his picture to my son and say, see that man Muhammad? That's the one who brought the Quran. He is one of the, one of the better examples for us here that Allah sent. But the moment I put his picture up and say that he is Allah, then I have committed a, a major sin. Do you understand? Yes. This is why the book, Our Pictures of Sin, is necessary. The book the brothers passing out to y'all is a rebuttal book written to answer questions of doubt because the Sunnis who have nothing else to do spend time slandering the answer a lot. Okay? Yes. And I wrote a book answering it so that you will have all the questions answered. Okay. Uh, but let me add, but they do need to grow up and realize that black Christians, black Jews, black or Israelites, the nation of Islam, five percenters nation, the gods and the goddesses, the Zulu nation are all one family. And, and they have a habit of quoting a, a section from the Quran where they say, Allah has created you into the tribes and families that you may know about one another. And the best amongst you is the, he who is the most righteous or the most noble. In actuality, Muslims have to learn to respect black Christians, black Jews. You have to learn to respect your brother first. Then you can think about trying to convince him that what you think is right is right. But you can't start off by standing up and saying, Minister Louis Farrakhan is a disbeliever because he doesn't believe in the same traditions as some specific group of Orthodox Sunnis. Or that War of D. Muhammad is a disbeliever because he doesn't do such and such and such and such. You follow what I'm saying? Yes. These are black leaders. If War of D. Muhammad has aligned himself up with white leadership, which he has, called Darul Ifta, if Siraj Wahaj have lined himself up with those white leadership, which he has, and if Bilal Phillips, these are all black men, have lined themselves up with the same organization in Saudi Arabia, but have not paid attention to what is happening to our brothers in South Africa, or not paid attention to what happened to our brothers in Ethiopia, or to our brothers and sisters right here in America, how they're being abused. They're trying to put on dark glasses and pretend they don't see the racism that's going on. I want nothing to do with those kind of people. You understand what I'm trying to say? Yes. And I suggest it. I, just, I suggest we unite and come together. Them Sunnis into another whole bag of supporting pale Arabs who got billions of dollars and won't do nothing for South Africa. Won't try to liberate our people. Won't try to stop us from starving. Don't, don't even... Don't even build them a mosque right there on Bedford and Fulton. They won't even build them a mosque. These guys got signs up begging for funds when they told us we're not supposed to beg. They said for years, Ansar's are beggars. They're beggars. In Islam, you don't beg. Go down right now in Fulton and Bedford and look up and see a sign. What's the difference between beg and donation? Both donation and beg mean beg. Yes or no? Now all of a sudden they're begging. They should have begged when we were begging. Then they wouldn't have to beg. They'd have some books out. So, but they got these multi-billionaires like Adnan Khashoggi and them chasing around white women in America and sponsoring movies and stuff in America but won't build schools or masjids or playgrounds or medical centers or anything like the Honorable Elijah Muhammad was trying to do or banks or anything. Everything they're doing is strictly for pale Arabs. And now we got black brothers telling me and you we should follow them and not respect Minister Louis Farrakhan or not respect Clarence 13X, or not respect uh, uh, Noble Dwali, I'm not going that way. Not again, brother. Too late in time. We saw what they did to Malcolm X. 
They waited for him to turn against the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, then killed him and tried to make it look like the Honorable Elijah Muhammad did it. Can they jump full of Muslims? Not nowadays, right. except Muslims who don't know no better. <laughs> okay. so there's a whole lot of Muslims that out there that's being fooled because Sarad Wahajnam are being fooled by the devil. Then the Prophet Muhammad said that a lot of his followers are going to go over and follow Dajjal or Dib the Messiah, which refers to in Arabic as the Antichrist. Now, most Muslims are thinking they're talking about Christians, when in actuality, they're not. Because he mentions in the same hadith that they believe in, that this Dajjal is going to have the sign of calf on his forehead, the letter calf from the Arabic language. The letter calf is symbolic of the word kufr or kafiruna, which means those who conceal what they know to be true. Which means, he says, again, some of his followers, meaning Muslims, are going to go over and worship and follow the Antichrist, who he says will rise up out of Arabia. Same hadith. You see? Now, what has happened is the oil wealth of Saudi, instead of it being used for the dawah to spread the truth around the world, it's being used to build hotels. It's being used to invest in America and raise the economy and the power here, which is giving the Christian world more power. You follow that? Mm -hmm. So the Saudi Arabians are the Dajjal that the Muslims are supposed to look for. And they have a sign cap on their head, he said, so that you would recognize them when they come. When you see a Muslim, like you just said, out of his dress, he is dressed like a kafir. If a fireman comes in with a fireman's suit on, you'll immediately recognize that he is a... If a policeman comes in with a policeman's uniform, you'll immediately recognize that he's a, a policeman. Now, if a Muslim comes in dressed according to what the brother said, the seventh chapter of the Quran, 26th verse, the law said, I'll send your dress down from heaven. And then the Sunni Muslims have of their selected 40 hadith that the angel Gabriel appeared to Muhammad in human form dressed in a white robe, which I put in many books. So if Gabriel, the angel, came down from heaven, and Allah says, I send down the dress from heaven. And when Gabriel came to Muhammad, he was dressed in this white, which they emphasized was so clean that they couldn't see any traveling on his clothes. Then the angels who came down from heaven wear what color? And thus, what is the garb that Allah wants Muslims to wear? Right. So therefore, if you see a Muslim who's out of his white, he is now a kafir. He has a sign of the polytheist, and the Islamic law says, and they have it right now, these, do the opposite of the polytheist. Then it describes your beard, and let your beard grow long. They say, if you're among a people, and you dress like a people, you are of that people. So if you're walking around in suits and ties, like the brother Malik from Taqwa Mahas popping up on television in suits and ties and not representing the sunnah of the prophet Muhammad who got it from Abraham, which got it from the angels who came down, then these men are now the Dajjal. Saudi Arabia is breeding a new breed of Muslims who don't wear beards, who don't wear veils, who don't have to wear skirts, they can wear pants. They can wear brown and purple and plaid like you saw on the tapes and blue. And they sit around the floor in a little room and argue about how they don't have to dress in the proper garb. And the Quran said, and, and the honor of Elijah Muhammad put it in every Muhammad speak, old children of Adam, don't let the devil what? 
And that's exactly what they're sitting there in that room in that lecture discussing how to get out of strict clothes and get into, well, your head don't have to be covered, if you, or you don't have to wear a face veil, only your hands and your feet. Show me this in the Quran, not in books written by men. Show me this in the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not in the companions and the associates of the Prophet Muhammad. I am worshiping Allah, not anybody else. You see? Yes. So we're in that day and time when Dajjala has made himself present. He is the new orthodox Sunni Muslim is the doctrine of Dajjal coming out to try to destroy the religion of Abraham, which you are told to follow in the Holy Quran, the second chapter, the 130th verse. Anyone who rejects or forsakes the religion of Abraham makes a fool of himself. When you ask these people whose religion they follow, the Sunni Orthodox Muslims say they follow Muhammad's religion. The Quran says follow Abraham's religion. Do you understand what I'm saying? So that Orthodox sect coming out of Saudi Arabia called the Wahhabi is spreading all across the world because they got the money to buy their way into power, to buy the black leadership and put them on salary and follow them all over the world lecturing their rhetoric. That's my next battle. My next battle is now that I've broken the course and removed the swine, my next fight is against the Jahs, which is Orthodox Sunni Islam, to start exposing them for what they really are. They are men worshippers, saint worshippers, tradition followers, rock worshippers. They even go to Mecca and throw pebbles at a, a stone figure they call the devil, which means they're saying the devil resides inside a rock, at least for the period of time that they're throwing pebbles at him, I will not teach my children this ridiculousness. They say the Prophet Muhammad went up, and the Quran says Isra, and they say Miraj, which we know in the dictionary, a mirage is something, an hallucination, something that didn't happen. But they say the Muhammad went up on some creature with a face of a woman and a body of an ass and wings, a bunch of stuff that I will not teach my children. If I want them to get that, I'll send them to Disney World. I want them to learn about fiction and fantasy and, and, and uh, if I want them to learn about Godzilla and things like that, I'll let them watch television and get that fiction. But if I want them to know al-haq, min Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the facts, the truth from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I'll take them to the Quran, the Torah, the Zabur, the Injil, al-Sahuf, Kitab al-Hikmah. I'll go to Allah's scriptures for truth. If I want fiction, I don't want fantasy, then I go to books like Hadith, which is fiction and fantasy. Writings of men, not the words of Allah. So no, brother, my next battle is against the Orthodox Sunni Muslims who spent so much time attacking me when I wasn't concerned with them. You see? Yes. I was concerned with trying to stop our Christian brothers from worshiping a white man on a cross and saying he's God. That's, that was my concentration. And instead of them aligning themselves with me and helping me destroy that disease, they were busy attacking me. Well, now that, I've, now that I've got the disease under control called white man's Christianity, now it's time for me to move over to them. And they better be ready. <laughs> they had nobody like me come out against them. They got their hands full. They got, you better believe it. Come out to the village of the Ansarullah community, where we are raising 144,000 children of light. Come home to the tabernacle of the Most High and get your questions answered by visiting the Hall of Knowledge on Sunday afternoons from 1 p.m. to 6 p.m. at 548 Hart Street, Brooklyn, New York, 11221.
We are presently establishing new tents of Kedar, Islamic books, and gift shops in your neighborhood. Call or visit our newest location at 106 Halsey Street in Newark, New Jersey. Zip code 07102. Or call 201-802-5377. We are also located at 717 Bushwick Avenue, Brooklyn, New York. Zip code 11221. Or call 718-452-4324. Yes, you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. 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 Look at that 
curvature of that dome or that biosphere, a planet can survive. If the, uh, let's say, the elements from outside that planet's atmosphere can be dangerous to them, like gamma rays, ultraviolet rays, they need some type of shield to protect them. As I told you, the risk here. We needed a shield to protect us because there was an explosion on our planet that depleted our, which we call to, in your planet, as ozone layer. And the rays of our three suns were coming through and killing people. So we had to evacuate our planet. Project evacuation. And go to Pleiades and go to Orion and then set up on Mars and start rebreathing again. And you're the product of that Homo sapiens. There's our goes. Any biosphere or dome or rainbow is no more than a protection against some kind of a ray, like I said. It's like a, an enclosure. Now, think about this. You have elements and you have forces that can do you bodily harm, that can actually burn you up. Okay? It says, right here, that's in Genesis uh, 9, 12, that the Elohim put a symbol in the sky and called it a rainbow. A rainbow is no more than an arc, or arc, a curvature, right? And what does a rainbow consist of? But seven individual colors, right? And as you look up in the sky, you see as a rainbow, one red, two orange, three yellow, four green, five blue, six indigo, and of course, the most important seven is violet. Note the rainbow has seven colors, and it comes from a direct rays of the sun as it hits the prism and breaks down, or it bends into that light. Curvature again. Now, this rainbow is actually no more than a dome of seven spheres. That's right, a dome of seven spheres. Spheres is nothing but a Greek word for ball or curvature again. But, which is a solid figure, it represents something, it resembles something. It resembles a planet covered with a bunch of layers. What are these layers called? These layers are called the troposphere, the stratosphere, the mesosphere, the thermosphere, and above them, then we have, we have what's called the ionosphere, the exosphere, and then, then the outer space. Did you know that there was also seven spheres, just like the seven colors of the rainbow? What does that mean in relation to you? So, check this out. So now, if it wasn't for your spheres, the rays of the sun would penetrate and kill you dead. Is that correct? What is it protecting you against? It's protecting against something called ultraviolet and gamma rays. You notice that it's called ultraviolet and the last color on the rainbow is called violet? And these rays are coming directly from your sun, right? And if it penetrates this sphere, there's nothing that can protect you, you're dead. So as a sign, the elders that created you, called the Anunnaki or the Elohim, had to put a dome or a set of seven domes, six to seven domes, you should say, around this plant to protect you from the sun, let there be light, as it says. But they didn't, it was true. Just like the gold dome that we had to construct over risk, the same thing is now being done here on earth. These demons, these Luciferians, they know exactly what they're doing. You with me? That's not what I'm saying. They know exactly what they're doing with these aerosol cans and these explosions. Didn't they start exploding things when? In 19 what? 45. All between the early 40s is when they start testing these bombs, and that's when they started getting all this so-called UFO hesitation. 
The CIA wasn't created in 1947. The FBI in 1933. But there were secret societies already existed. They didn't incorporate themselves and start practicing and make themselves public into them. They had to create institutions and societies to protect the public from getting certain information. They called it Federal Bureau of Investigation. They have all these titles that they created to make themselves public to justify the things they got to do, to cover up certain information, which is their prerogative because they are in control of this planet and they're so-called protecting the planet. But as these people are exploding these things and creating all these aerosol pans, you are having a depletion in the ozone layer. The ultraviolet rays, note, the similarity now between the rainbow violet and the word ultraviolet rays, the ultraviolet rays are going to come through the galaxy. The ozone contains a relatively high concentration of ozone that absorbs solar ultraviolet radiation in a wavelength of a range. Now this is the scheme of things. This is how it's planned. By destroying the ozone layer, the rays come through and all life as they know it on Earth in human form will begin to die. These deadly rays are now starting to come through. When you go buy glasses, they ask you, would you like a shield in your glasses against the rays? They got these blue blockers, all these different things they're trying to tell you. Who's it for? You? No, for their people. You say, well, wouldn't this kill them as well? That's why it's called, as I said before, alternative three. They have reached the third alternative. The first alternative was to build underground cities here. And as they went down, they tapped into caverns and encountered the Dunaco, the Jiru, the Jiru. These seem like mythological creatures to you. As you go to China, you find a Jiru. They call them the Ganesh. Now they found a skull of a, a head with two croniums, scientists. That's the Dunaco. Oh, the obesity, that was called, that obesity of people who are overfat, overactive gland, that's a part of the theory. They have a whole movie, and they think because they introduced you Saturday Night Live to a family called the, um, what do you call those people with those pointed heads? Coneheads. Right, that's what they call coneheads. They think if they put that in the movie, you'll say, when you see it in a real book about the Killed, oh, they made that stuff up. They did the same thing with the predator and the creature from the Black Lagoon. These are all what they have captured and they make replicas of them. They create these things for what they've already had. And they put them in the movies and you say, well, here's the book that I put out of the car. He's copying that stuff out of the book. You're the one that's being fooled. These people have a, what they call this, a one, two, three degrees. First alternative was to go underground. And, I, and I've shown you in multiple books, underground cities. Counted extraterrestrials already living there, reptilian, gray, shaggy, already here. They can't stay there. They'll invade them. The next alternative was genetic annihilation, which Dr. Francis Welsting always talked about. How they must eliminate us because we populate too fast. Don't you see there's something divine in us? What do you think Jordan is? Jordan is not jumping. Jordan is almost flying. We can fly. We got fighters. Look at a holy field. Look at Tyson. Look at Muhammad Ali. Look at Sugar Ray Robinson. Look at Sugar Ray Lennox. Look at Holmes. Look at Frazier. Look at that kind of stuff. We got the greatest of everything. We have the youngest heavyweight champion in Tyson and the oldest informant. 
We have supernatural. We are able to adjust to a situation. They made a mistake, and now they got some young, nubians in golf, and they're taking over golf. All the ass is taking over tennis. We take over everything we get into. They're taking over the stock market. We took over the music industry. We're taking over the movie theater. That's why they're suppressing all these movie and movies that come out, and they want to turn us into cartoons. Everything is funny. Everything is a joke with us because the, the Nubian producers, like the Husband Brothers, are getting too deep for them. They want to stop. They see anything we put our hands on as God, we master. Is it not written in your law? Instead, we are God. Is that what the scripture says? I didn't say that. Jesus said, you want to kill me because I said you are God. And he was quoting John from the book of Psalms, where it declares you are God. A walking and talking, a breathing, a eating, a sleeping God. When I say that I am God in flesh, I don't mean me exclusively. When I say I am the Lamb, I don't mean does our only Lamb. All of you are lambs and you're being sent out against wolves. All of you are children of the Elohim. Jesus said, as many as believe on my name, to them I give the power to become the sons of God. When he said God, he said, Eli, Eli, Lemus, and the According to them, this is what he said. He copied that out of the Psalm. The 22nd Psalm. Eli. What is Eli? But Allah or Eli or Elo. Of one of the Elohim. That's you. You are the God in flesh. It's time for you to stop thinking you're a man. Because man is number one degree above a beast and an animal. Crime on crime is because you have wasted time. Gangs come together, that's a tribal thing. That's our nature. That we work together. But now they turn it against us. They bred those gangs. They put those movies, colors, and the kids, the neighborhoods, and the hood boys in the hood. They did all that. They know they're doing that. Keep us divided. Meanwhile, they're out there devilishness. Now, alternative two was genocide. If it wasn't through drugs or heroin, then they came up with methadone, then it's crack, and if they keep us drugged, or they keep us drinking all kind of alcohol, wasted on cheap wine, or they keep us burning our brains out in discotheques and clubs and loud, puffed up and in. Why do you think I went in there? Why do you think Dr. York was created? Well, I was called Dr. York while living in New York. I went into the music business with Muslims and Hebrews and everybody who's religious is so self-righteous, no one wants to go out there and get the people. I had to take off my sackcloth, my holy garb, nightly and weekly so I can go into clubs. Or you could say, Dr. York, a digital singer. Dr. York, so and so and so, while you're listening to my music. I will sing. If I wanted to become a big star, I could have done it singing to people like my music. I didn't do it because I wasn't what I was in there for. I was in there to reach the kids. And I did because many thousands of my followers met me through being Dr. York. And I touched their hearts and changed their lives. There was no drugs and passion. Wasn't no alcohol drinking in passion. And we had passion fans, but they came and they had wholesome, clean fun. We had picnics and parties, and we pumped into them right now. The doctor, he did something for their lives. You can't say that's what you do. Didn't Jesus say he, he went up amongst the people? And didn't his disciples get mad because he went amongst prostitutes, he went amongst drunkards, he went amongst. That's, that was my job. That's what it was called passion. We are men of light passion. Look that up in the Bible. Kind of things I did, and that's the kind of things I do, and that's the kind of things you have to do, because you are God in the flesh. You've got to take your position again. Stop thinking like a man or mankind. Stop thinking like a God and become responsible for your environment.
And I tell you, alternative things did not work. But we are the only people that can overthrow heroin and then get our lives together, join the nation of Islam, or join the more science, and we will stop using the most addictive drugs, overthrow it. That's God in us. The divine of us dominated the physical was weak. Like Jesus said, my flesh is weak, but what? My spirit is divine. But his flesh was weak. They had our flesh. They had us under drugs. They had us listening to music all night, gang fighting, beating each other up. Wait, finger waving out here, they had us. But the divine in us, when a genetic explosion took place at the opening of the field, bang! <laughs> God, come out. You hear me? Are you with me? Y'all follow me? Yeah. It's happening here. Look at the little babies being born. The large big heads, the bright eyes. Those are God incarnated. It is now our time. Our cycle, the sun cycle, the moon is going out. You're moving the sun cycle. Yeah, old age, new age. You're feeling like new age. If you're such thing as old age, except weakness, and the next step is dead, you're admitting that this is new age because you're admitting that the age you lived in was old. And at least old age and it's time. So now it's time when I'm for birth and rebirth is new age. It's the new cycle, sun cycle. Our time. Now, what was the last alternative? Alternative three. Alternative three was I couldn't go beneath the earth as one. I couldn't eliminate these gods and keep on multiplying like roaches. <laughs> so third thing is, let's get them out of here. Let's get out of here. And that's why their whole conversation, their bank was spending billions and billions of dollars trying to get out of here. But meanwhile, they got to figure out a way to take your guns, your questions, get you under, have you under so much. What is the word? It's called crisis. The word Christ. Crisis. Krishna. Christ. Crisis. Chaos. It keeps you so confused. Always something in the media that keeps you so preoccupied. Well, what's going on in the world that you can't think? That the divinity is suppressed. They got us all fighting against each other. And Haitian Islam don't like the HGM, and, and the HGM don't like the 5%, 5% don't like the voice signs. It's a game, it's a plot to divide and conquer. We accept everybody in our tent as they are. You can come and sit amongst us with the stars of the more scientists, or with the bow tie and the stars of the nation of Islam, or with the seventh and the star of the Bible center. We don't care. We come as long as we stay right with that. We all sit together and do what we are at the center. They all came together, right? They sat down. They all, all had different doctrines. The Levites had a different doctrine than the Danites. And they didn't even give the Dinaites for 13 five a place. But we have a place for all that. We just solid. All of us come together and start from one place. We have our own language, baby. As you heard, you didn't think that's your language. It's down to us. Nobody else. So now when alternative two did not work, they started trying to get out of here. And they're succeeding. They already have a mind team on the planet. Or they're just making it known to you now. But I told you they were going to do that. 1996, they're going to reveal UFOs to you. This happened. Am I the man or what? All they want to do is get in the trick and play the polygons. Politics. Politics fall up under the five P's. I mean, the five P's go all the way back when Saul, who was S, changed his name to Paul, which is P. And from there, Pope, 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 Pope. Politics, 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 politics. Politics and politics and politics. Politics, politics, politics. Pope, prison, poison, penal system, psychology. That's all the big names. The five P's. I've been talking about it for years. And most of the conversation, we have the five pillars of faith. Five P's. And then they make the first two pillars one. La ilaha illallah, Muhammad al-Rasulullah. They try to make like that one pillar, and that's two. That's two separate sentences. They don't have five, they have six. 
but they don't want to deal with the number six because that sign is the end of their time. You have two stars in the sky, the five-pointed star and the six-pointed star. The five-pointed star is a symbol of a man is a six-point opinion. Don't fool yourself, it's not a tail. All human beings have a small tail called a cockpit. The five-pointed star is a female. That's why the Eastern stars and the MGT use a five-pointed star. They know it represents the female, but a star is an illusion because it's not there. The question is an illusion because it does that. When you look up and see the moon, you don't see anything because all it's doing is reflecting the light of the sun. It's an illusion. So the, the whole of the star the question is saying, this is our symbol, the universe is all about us. That is an illusion. That's an illusion. It's just, just like the honorable Elijah Muhammad said, the blue sky is an illusion. You keep going up there and it's not blue. The sun is not red. That's not true. The sun is helium and hydrogen. It's not the color red. That's an illusion. All of those are pantheism. All of those are the religions given to you by the Guru, the Greeks, as they call themselves. The Hebrews or the Phoenician breeding them or the 11 feet of Canaan. You want to get the 11 feet of Canaan? The six-pointed star and the five-pointed star. The two symbols that they use, five and six, 11. 11 feet of Canaan, only one of them, the Hamathites, were Nubians. And that's the ones people in the Science Temple are wise enough to grab onto. Alternative three, getting out of here. When? After they destroy the ozone layer and the ultraviolet rays come through. They're telling people now, don't go to beaches, it's too hot. We think it's causing all the climatic problems on the planet. The motion of the sun and that time of 48,000 years when the crust of the planet shifts. You got to watch that. And the motion of 26,000 years when the axis needle makes its circumference. You got to watch that. And the equinox. All these alignments are taking place now, May 5th, 2000. August 12, 2003, the horse was open. Preparations are made by those who know who the man is. I don't really want to tell you about it. Everybody else is trying to get you caught up in politics and giving you this illusion of a long time future because they don't have to answer them too, too full of pride to come on over. I'm telling you that the elders created a sphere to protect your planet and to protect you from the sun the same way we did in Rizka. And it's called in your Bible a rainbow, a covenant of a rainbow. And when that rainbow is gone, and the ultraviolet rays are going to the revelation of the you need it, you're going to look to death, and death is going to flee from you. People's bodies are going to be covered in sores. This is starting to happen now. Famine, disease, pestilence, Matthew 24. It's happening now. The Quran is a no message for none of that. The Quran ain't talking about none of it. And the sections like Surtul Ariyat, the chat or Zinzel, the one of the horsemen or the earthquakes that tries to warn us, they try to interpret all kinds of stupid ways. They don't want to see what it really means. The last revelation of the Quran to them was Surtul Nafi. That last chapter. That's true, not, not through the math, not through the fallout that they have as the last two chapters, but they still call the aided or the helpless. That's why we call ourselves Ansar, in recognition of the last chapter. When you see the aided coming, that aided, those beings, those Nasrullahi there, that is the Anunnaki, the Elohim. When you see them crafts coming, what? When you start seeing them coming, what? Afwad. You better come together and do. And that you're supposed to do what? Give all to your sustainer, your rabbi, 
Radika, your Rabboni. I'm here, I am the Rabboni right here amongst you. And I'm the one who gave you an answer. Yeah, I'm the one who gave you is what we say. Nasrullahi, well fact. The opening of the seventh seal, 1970. There's a chance for you to tell us to repent now. Stop following men that don't know. Chance for you to get together now. Because the help has come. The Anunnaki has opened us up in all those old time religious classes. Go. The new era is in. You're right, this is the new age. Because you are old age, decrepit, and dying. What you eat is outdated. You have nothing new to say. And I've said many times, the only definite thing in this universe is change. And if you're not a part of change, then you are dead. You are mummy's eyes. And you must be resurrected like this. That's what I have to say. Alternative three. They are getting out of here, and they're going to let you die. And I have connection with that mother plane. I have connection with Nibiru. The craft is across the sky. Listen to the word Hebrew. Nibiru. Hebrew. What is Hebrew from Eber? One who crosses over. Ibris. One who crosses over. What is Nibiru? To cross the sky. One who crosses the sky. Wake up, y'all. No more sleeping in bed. No more backwards thinking. Time for thinking ahead. So turn the street. The sign of the rainbow of Genesis. The sign that put a dome over the planet. <laughs> you see how simple it is when you know to protect you from the rays coming in. Meanwhile, the devil on the inside here, you see, is trying to destroy it. And I am here to teach you how to get out of here and not be left here to burn. Burn and burn. Now, what other teachers is preparing you like that? Everybody else is talking about some heavenly abode you're going to go to. Something unconfirmed, some unreality. That's not what I'm doing. Is that what it sounds like I'm doing? I'm here telling you how to get out of our oncoming condition of judgment, as they want to call it. I'm not trying to tell you how to go into some garden that you already have here, Jannah. I'm not trying to tell you how to go into a paradise with rivers and streams and lakes. And little black-eyed maidens or angels walking around feeding with green and gold robes and velvet couches as the Islamic world, Islamism teaches. That's not what I'm here to do. I'm not here to give you no fake dream. I'm here to bring you in contact with reality. I teach things that no one else teaches. I try to take you off to another level of thinking. Don't I? All the years that I've been teaching you, I stand before you and I constantly say over and over again, don't believe me. Go check it out. I try not to throw out this. I try not to throw out, throw out these stupid. And all that they did, the best that they could do against me was one cult book. And that's it. Milking it, milking it, milking it, milking it. Dr. York, Christ York. He's a passion man. He's a, a singer. He's a, and it just didn't work. Give it up. You cannot fight the forces of Nuwapo, the power of the universe. They're not ready for us. And we are here. They say you keep changing, you keep changing, you keep changing. And I keep saying, anything that does not change is dead. Anybody that tries to hold you down to some old 2,000-year-old religion or 1,400-year-old religion or even a 44-year-old religion is dead. They want you to go lay down and die. No, we are alive. We are people of the sun. And the sun of righteousness is here. And it's coming through. 
and polarizing the one that they suffer as they try to teach that goes on there. And we have to prepare for their coming. And that's why I would teach y'all about the science of altars. Let me introduce something new to you. Something, something else there. When you go back to Exodus, and you speak about it, around Exodus 40, I think, uh, the 40th chapter, 6th verse, and they start talking about the burning of altars. Remember every place that, what they refer to as Nebi Ibrahim or Abraham, Abraham, every place Abraham, which is his real name, went, they always told him to make an altar so we could find you. And then we would appear to you, literally make ourselves seen to you in human form, these angelic beings or Anunnaki or Jabarians or Gabor or uh, uh, Kachina of the Native Americans or the Neturu of, you know, of the Egyptians. These are the same beings that can come from stars. Your descendants or your ancestors, that's what you think they descend in order for them to find Abraham way out in the middle of nowhere, how did they do it? I'll tell you how. They made him light an altar, a burnt offering. It acted like a flare. Otherwise, they couldn't see him. They had to come from Kisil. It was coming from the Orion stars, Kima, from Plates. They came from Ish, Arcturus. And they were coming in there. These are star constellations you can find right now in any astrological chart. Have you researched it? Have you found out these things are true? Oh, does it sound like something I'm just telling you that the mother plane was there and you can't confirm it? And I'll tell you the point from the star that anybody can see in the sky and any astrological chart you can log what that star is. And I'm pretending that's not what I do. I'll tell you things and you go find it. It just fact me this week in the internet the skull of a denagle that the scientists found. I actually skull with a with phone in the side of two minutes. And I said it was sound crazy. And I showed the picture of it of him inside the Holy Tablet, said I was a nut. But the scientists are behind me. They know I am an incarnation of divine illumination. I have a father as some of They know who I am now. They know I am him. Dr. Salam, Dr. Nobel Peace Prize, from reading my book, recently died. A matter of a couple of weeks ago. Why? Because I'm here. And truth will make false things perish. Listen. He's burning false we find that way out in the wilderness where Abraham or Moshe or Musa or Moses or something Moses, whatever you want to call him, when he had his congregation, there was no city lights. They had no flares. All they could do is light torches. And if these beings were trying to find them, notice in Exodus how they talk about them. At night, they appeared as light. And in the daytime, they appeared as pillars of smoke. This is the same thing the Native Americans would do when they wanted to signal each other. They had what was referred to as smoke signal. And they would burn carcasses of the bison, and they would see the smoke going up, and that's how they put a burned carcasses, which is a very thick smoke, and that's how other Native Americans would find them, and they had ways of sending up signals to identify them. Well, right now, if a plane is trying to land in Kennedy Airport or Atlanta Airport, if they don't set up them lights, they won't find their way in. If I'm stranded out somewhere in the wilderness, you with me? And you want to find me, I got to shoot up a flare. And your plane will go by and see the flare, and then they can trace me. Latitude and longitude, and there I am. Well, back then, when the elders were coming in, on, in their crafts, the Makara, when they were bringing these shams in, what they would do is they would tell everybody how. how they tell them? They told them to build a tremendous radio, it's called an Ark of the Covenant, a big receiver so they can talk to them, and they told them what to do. And so they were ordered to build this Ark of the Covenant. The elders would incarnate and communicate through that ark and tell them this is what you do. Now, Abraham was before the ark of the covenant, right? But they would tell Abraham, 
This is what you do. You go and build an altar of stone and there burn something. And in the night sky, they'll be flying through. They'll see the thing and they'll know that's the camp of Abraham and they come in. That's what burnt offerings are for. It wasn't because our heavenly father, Allah, Elohim, Adonai, Yahweh, Yahweh, Hashem, Alum, any name we want to call him because he likes the smell of dead bodies. Because he wants us to take little innocent animals and put them on all and chop them up. No, leaves would not burn as fast. And they were in desert areas. There wasn't forests and trees. They couldn't build a lot of timber. So they would tell them to take the flock, take from their flock and burn them. Because when you burn that carcass, you get a thick black smoke. It was easy for them to find them by day. And then when they wanted to find them by night, they would find them because they'd see the fire. And that's how the elders would be able to find their way to the camps of the Israelites and the Ishmaelites and the Midianites, those people, according to the Bible, that was chosen. According to the Bible believers, that was chosen. And according to the Quranic believers, that was chosen. And even Rasulullah Muhammad, as they called him, alayhi salatu wa salam, 1400 years ago, picked up that same Jewish tradition and has them burning altars. And Muslims are doing the same thing, which they copied from the Jewish tradition, burning carcasses and altars. When you start asking about these things, they don't know. They, you know the name they use for sacrifice? To cut. The word to cut something. That's all they know. And when someone says, where did this come from? They don't know. When you ask them about their salah, worship, you say, why do you bow? Why ruku? Why sujud? Why prostration? They don't know. They don't know that the actual prayer is on the walls in Egypt. Every position that the Muslim takes is on the walls in Egypt. It went back. I have this in our form of salut. Prayer. That's how we will perform our gratitude, not worship. You can call it worship or you feel like. We're not interested in the worship of the Melvikians, we're interested in the peaceship of the Nabidians or the team of the Nabidians. That's the third time. Now, what happened is, when I would teach all these weird types of teachings, guess what would happen? You're right. Everybody was mad at me. That guy's crazy. He's this, he's that. All kind of names. Why me? Why am I so disliked? Why do all the Nubians hate me? Let me tell you why. All the Nubian leaders hate me, but they can tolerate each other in their silliness, their lies, and inconsistencies. But me, who have not been able to prove wrong about anything, they spend their whole time in my personal life. Him, this. He did this. He was this. He was that. He wasn't born here. Well, who cares? I'm bringing right knowledge. They can't handle that. You know why? Because I am agreeable. And they are disagreeable. By nature. I am alike and they are the unalike. By nature. And they come toward me just to badge it. They can't win. When I used to visit State Street a long time ago, the Ansar-Allah community, or the Nubian Islamic Hebrews, or the pure suit, whatever you want to, whatever name we use to get where we're going, and don't lie, niggas, and pretend that y'all didn't change the name of your mom, or you didn't change the name of your community. Don't lie. You niggas are lying. So now, we say they changed their name. He changed his name. All you niggas had different names, and then y'all started changing them to Arabic names. And the first name you took when you probably took your shahada was one thing, and as you learned a little more about it from you changed it. So stop fronting, niggas, because everybody can see right through it. And then most of the niggas who was talking about me and badging off me them fell out of Islam and they're back on the streets using drugs or working for the man that they was calling the devil. The same people, but me, too, all the way from 1970 to now, I'm still doing what I'm doing. We're all the leaders. We're all of the imams that have so much to say about the Ansar Allah community. Them niggas in hiding. But I'll still never address the fact that I said, I bet you you can't go marry one of them Saudi Arabian 
daughters, they'll write that book for you against me, a brother against a brother. But I bet you can't go marry one of them Arab girls. Go find out how much of their brother you are. Niggas, stop trying to be other people. We are. We were something created. They were all made. We are of the original. Those niggas are fake. They are all. They took our way of life, Islam, and desecrated it and turned it into Sunni junk. And turned it into Ahmadiyya junk. And now they can't even get along. They know not only do they work, concentrate on us, they also concentrate on each other. You say they hate the Baha'i, they hate the Ahmadiyya, they hate the nation of Islam, they hate the Wahhabi, they hate the Maliki, they got a school for everything, now they hate the Sufi. Them, those people just want to hate. Why? They are demons. They burnt the Quran, they, they destroyed the original Torah, they made up the Angel, they created a Paul, they created a Muslimah, and they are a bunch of demons. And we need to break away from them to break the spell. We need to come among ourselves and do our own thing. That's what happened back there in 1957. I was attending states since 1957. 1957, fool, and it's on record. Stop creating crap that I just joined State Street in 1965 or 1969. 1957, it's on record in State Street. You don't believe me? Go check it out. If you don't want to know the truth, you just need that to support yourself so you can make money off the population. Well, go ahead and do your devilishment. That's going to come around to you, too. But no, when I used to attend State Street years ago, you asked to answer. We had our own place out in Coney Island, our own congregation. You know what? I say, let's walk. They say, walk from Coney Island to State Street? Ask the original answer. They say, Pop would walk you. I said, yeah, walking is the healthiest exercise any human being can do. This is what we did in our motherland, and this is what we should do now. Guess what? Here we are over 20-something years later, and Amorites are walking all over the country. They're jogging, and they're walking. They got walking cars. So they make good back then. What, did I know something? But the only people that were walking was us. And now when you look at the brothers of the Ansar, 40, 50 years old, people say, man, look like you're not aging. Man, you guys look good. How come y'all look good? And a whole bunch of our brothers are not laying up in hospitals getting their kidneys removed and cancer and all kinds of diseases. Those brothers that walked with me and talked with me and ate the minimum amount of food that I put them on that special diet, right to this very day, they're all healthy old men. They're in good shape. Most of their hair is not all bleached out white. Teeth ain't falling all out their mouth. They haven't back problems, leg problems. They did the job and it worked. And now we're a bunch of old men from young men still healthy. Now what they're doing is using the nation and learning to do for self, like the Honorable Elijah Muhammad taught us to do. Combine that with what Chef Dow taught us. We say sell everybody and buy from your own, and we're on the way to doing our own thing until the crafts come, because we got to light that altar. So they'll see, and you'll see them because that's one day like what a, a beacon from the time over here. And the rituals of the ancients that we'll be doing right here for them to know it's us and hear the call. You don't have to be a part of it. You didn't have to be a part of it for all these years, and I still succeeded. You can turn your back, you can slander, you can gossip about my human person. You can do all of that, but that won't stop the message and it won't stop the truth from going across. If you don't have the truth, you can That's right. And start walking. We settle. They called us the beggars. Those brothers out there begging, why don't y'all go get a job? Now they're out there begging. They're still in the same little storefront mall. They're still selling the same little trinkets and junk. They're still kissing up the Arabs and all you have no respect for them. They still can't speak fluent Arabic. They still haven't translated their own Quran after all these years. They don't have nothing. No school, no bank, no education, no transportation. They have absolutely nothing. We have it all. With the help of the most I hate to take ten steps off, and we took one step and we took ten to us. 
They need to take some type of step to do something instead of wasting their time to school the money they spend on that stupid little cult book. They're going to open the school for some of their kids. But they'll never see that. They're not supposed to see it because it's not their day and time. So you go back and ask the reason why I'm sorry. Yes, we used to walk and walk and walk and beg and be on the trains in our white. And we were doing more for the propagation of Islam than any of you folks. And then the Pakistanians and Egypt and them came and just took over your whole lives and turned y'all into their pets. Y'all so too, huh? You're mad at me because I don't want to acknowledge a man named Farad because he don't look like me, because he doesn't have my hair texture, because he don't have nothing that pertains to me. He's not African. He's going to tell me that Africans are all savages and I'm an African. He's going to try to play me down and tell me something. I'm an Asiatic. I'm not no Asiatic. In the sense of what they call Asiatic, you want to say Asiatic in the sense that Asiatic black man by Noah, I can understand that the Islamites were the sons of Noah's sons and they migrated over to Egypt. I'll take that part of Asia, but don't try to tell me I'm no Asiatic black man because I'm not even a black man. You want your black man, you go to India, you find an Asiatic black man. And he's rapping the black man in Africa. And he got bone straight hair, six ether. That is the Hindu. That is the one they're talking about. That's the one that devil's at war with. That's nothing to do with you. You're a god. That war is taking place between men and men. The original black man is a black-skinned, straight-haired man. If you really believe in the teaching of the that's what he told you. They had straight hair before they came back. We were here. We were older than what you're calling the sun, moon, and stars. Like I said, we are part of original creation. All of those things were made. I'm no black man. Don't try to make me go against Mother Africa. Make Africa the place of savages. Africa's not a place of savages. Have you seen any pyramids in the Far East? The Chinese have a civilization, as they call it. The Chinese have had empires of great learning and building and fine art, and the Egyptians had it, and the Sumerians have it, but you don't find it anywhere else. India is based on a bunch of demons. Six and seven armed guards with blue skin and monkeys and worshiping cows and worshiping snakes and rats and sacrificing and cutting themselves up and tying themselves in knots and calling it yoga and transcendental meditation. And now you can do the same thing as Islam. All these people sitting around starving themselves, calling themselves Sufis, hitting themselves with whips and slapping each other into a frenzy. And then they go out and transport all this anger and all this absence of all this void of truth into violence and terrorism. And now they terrorize the world. Are you talking about us? I'm telling you, we started the walking. Sheikh Daoud was with us all the way. And that same brother Talib Daoud that was against the same white parade years ago. And that's the man who gave me this direction. I was never one of his followers. He was my mentor. I'd go there, but I had my own congregation. And he told them, go join that man. Come into me. He is the savior for his time. They just didn't want to do it. And we walked and we walked. Yes, they speak far, but we walked. And we got there and we stopped there and we listened. And I shook my head. And the brother looked at me and said, what's up, Pop? And I said, these Pakistanians. I said, my bull and his little flunkies and his cronies, they're not here to help our people. They're here to poison them. They're here to enslave them, to make them worship their image. And lo and behold, Sunni Muslims shaving their mustaches and burning their foreheads and walking around with little Pakistanian hats and Pakistanian clothes had no identity. They're not Pakistanians. You can put all the Pakistanian clothes on you want, you still won't be a Pakistanian. Let me tell you a funny little joke. This joke is about a man, a brother standing there in the uh, bus terminal. He's waiting in the bus terminal. Right? And he's just standing there, and he sees a little machine in the corner. The machine has a little card like a fortune teller. So the brother looks, he watches, and over comes a man, and man puts the coin in, and bing, out pops the card. The card says, you are an Italian. Your name is Bologna. You know, and uh, you're on your way to New York, and your bus is at 6 o'clock. 
And the guy said, no. The brother reached over and looks over and says, let me see that. And he says, that's true. And I says, that's true. And he walks away. The brother says, that's that skeptical look Nubians always have. You know, and, and so here comes a um, Chinaman. Chinaman walks up. He's got a little coin in there. goes, bing. God comes out and says, um, you are a Chinaman. Your name is Wong. Right? Uh, you're 5'3". And you're on your way to Boston. And your bus is 5 o'clock. And he goes, let me see that. He's practical. Come here. The guy looks at him and says, that's interesting. He says, that's true. The Chinaman says, yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's true. Wow. The brother's boy standing there. Here comes a Native American girl. Put on the feathers, the whole thing. He walks over, sticks the coin, and goes, bing, and out pops a card. And the brother and his brother looks and watching, you know, skeptical niggas and And he says, You are Native American. And your name is Blackfoot. And you're five ten and you're on your way back to the reservation in North Carolina. And your bus leaves at one o'clock. His brother says, So the brother runs over, let me try this. He sticks his coin and goes, bing, and I'll pop the car. It says, uh, you are a Nubian. Your name is Josh, and you're 5'10", and you're on your way back to Brooklyn, and your bus is 4 o'clock. He goes behind the machine, bangs on the machine, looks under the machine, trying to see where it came. He goes behind the next wall, stands and shakes his head, calls it the Native American. He takes his cloak, we buy your cloak and your feathers, and he puts his hood over, cuts over his head real close, you know, and hides his eyes and sneaks back over to the machine and sticks it with a coin. He goes, cling, the car comes out. And it says, you are still a Negro. Your name is still Josh. You're still 5'10", but you didn't mess around with your skepticism with this machine, and now you have missed your butt. That's what's going to happen to you people. It's still in time. You're so critical of the man who sets you. I say all gratitude is due to all of y'all who are Allah in the person. And it gives me great pleasure to stand here in this great day and time to bring you this message of right knowledge, right wisdom, and the right understanding before the great and dreadful day, which is upon us now. So I'll do my best to reach out and answer as many questions as I can, because the hourglass is almost empty. I'm going to take a listen to this, but this is your own language. Let me say something to you. Abdur kul salutat wa fakir. Ibamul al-Kulub. Salutachil al-Nasurah. Ja'alai wahid al-Iliyud al-Lazi idurabshil al-Alumah. Nabamul nazbilu'a al-Wajib ant alamah. Laya nasuf al-Wasuk bamul bi al-Gharub wa hazi gur-Iyub. Ya Rafi لا نبريع أنت ليا صغن يدك فوقنا ليا أيض الخيوثات شيل الفروق شيل حينا ربنا وعذنا فهم الخطب من فضلك أحرضك باركات وغفرت عهلنا أنت أفهم الفقد واحد ديك يقول باعتنا أجد تعبوعات شيل النابويات وفي اسم مخنا حمل عالا begin all prayers and thinking by using the all these are the salutations 
of the 80s. Oh, heavenly one, most high sustainer, who is the sustainer of all the boundless worlds. We do accept the duty you have laid upon us to clean up the filth made by the non-submitting fools. Oh, my sustainer, we beseech you to keep your hand over us to control the strings of the courses of our lives. O oh, sustainer, and if we do wrong, please shower thy divine blessings and forgiveness on us. You are the only one that can raise us true followers of the new burial. And in thy name, we carry on. That was not Arabic he was listening to, and that was not Nubic he was listening to, or Hebrew he was listening to. That was Nuwapic, your own language. Just recite it. Learn it. Eventually, we'll be chanted. And that was what we used to call the anthem of the Ansar. It was in the back of every book. Everything is being translated for you into your own language. Learn it and speak it and be proud of it. All right, man. Any questions? Yes. With no disrespect intended, Dr. Malachi New York, I would like to ask you a question. Can you please explain this two master Quran Muhammad, one being an Arab and one being a Caucasian? And it's a part of the 1990s from the Ansar Law community. And what will Minister Khaled in his comments? Please, I just want you to explain it. That's a very, very interesting subject. I hate to touch on it because there's been so much controversialness about it. Especially in cases of me. So like when anybody else talks about the Overlast Muhammad, or everybody else talks about Master Farah Muhammad. I mean, when Siraj Wahaj, who was known as Jeffrey X, broke off and sent lecture after lecture, traveled around the Arab world talking about nation Islam, and Mesmer Sarkhan, nothing was done to him. I mean, nothing was said about him. I mean, the brother Goliath Phillips, before he even started talking about or writing a book about me, spending a lot of time talking about the nation of Islam and trying to tear them down and writing books about them, nothing was said about him. The nation of the 5% of the gods of the earth now, a brother from inside there called Clarence Simpson X breaks away from them. Listen to this. He breaks away, takes over the position of God, calls himself a law, organizes a whole little group of young Puerto Ricans up in the Bronx, start a whole new thing called the 5%, taking out the lessons on Elijah Muhammad, and, I mean, you know, his followers are running around right now on the internet, and their brothers, and they're relating together, somehow they were relating and building together. But me, it's a personal thing always with me. I'll tell you why. It goes back a long way. I intimidate people because I deal with facts. Not bother people. But you people want facts, don't you? That's what else you do but some facts and truth. I may not be like it, but I do what I got to see the truth, don't I? What else am I here for? But all these other people, they want to presuppose the truth and play games, gather lots of people and look good, put on costumes and look good. But what about what they have to say about your soul and the plans of the devil and what he planned to do with you? They ain't talking about that. Are they? Constantly they repeat to you, white man did this, white man did that. We got more black devils than there are white devils. That's what I miss right now. I mean, black devils, you know, you know, I don't even know, Poop the shop beside behind the door. I mean, brothers with Afros infiltrating organizations and working with you, smiling in your face, playing with you, and they are deaf. I'm not just talking about infiltrators working on FBI and OCI. I'm not talking about that. I'm about the nigga who walks around causing problems. He don't know nothing. All he's trying to figure out a way to make some money off some people. He ain't out to sacrifice his life. I call myself a lamb. Why? Because I, for years, was hated. I went up against everybody. I didn't always speak out. I was just one of the brothers there teaching and trying to raise the Indian nation. But then they made a major mistake of touching on my personal life. And that's when I started coming out. And now that I've come out, I'm hated by everybody. It's not going to stop me. That's why you call yourself a lamb, because you know you're a sacrificial man. You take that chance. I'm not going out there and talk about this. Because I don't like when I say, don't mess around, talk about this government, and what you're going to do. You ain't going to do nothing to America. 
not demon. You ain't got nothing you can do to the powers that be. But you can do something for yourself, and that's what he did. He said, do something for yourself. But that's a very touchy subject. Now I can get more detail into it. And then if you really want me to, y'all want to hear more about the philosophy? Because what happened is, last time when I tried my best to be a nice guy and break away in 1990 and write an apology, I got slapped in the face for it. Verbally, I got called names. He don't know what he's talking about. He's confused. One minute he's Turkish, next minute he's Syrian, next minute. Hey, I was with Sheikh Daoud Ahmed Faisal since I was 12 years old. Brother Omar took me in the State Street. And Sheikh Daoud gave me a card and he signed it and I still have it. And that was 1957, when most of these niggas either wasn't born or didn't even know what Islam was. They said it was in the Christian church worshiping the white Jesus. Some fool will say, 1965, I took my shahada in state Sheikh gave me my name. He saw Abdullah ibn Mubarak Muhammad. He gave me that name. That was one of his relatives' name. His father's name was Khalid Abu Bakr. People don't know what they're talking about. That was way back in June 23rd, 1957. Go back and get the records from 142 Stacey. They're still there, and you'll see my signature. You'll see Chef Signal, the kid. But he signed me in, because a brother walked me in there. I sat right there. And then, do you know who Chef Daoud was? Do you know his relationship to Farad and Farad, the real one and the imposter? Do you know that he was the man who owned the crusader? He was writing the greatest book in the, in the latter part of his life. He died in the eight nights later. He was writing a book in the 70s. He kept telling me, here's a manuscript, because I want to put this book on. Anybody who was around stage didn't know. He was upstairs cutting a book, and, and I was the one upstairs. Me and Rajah Sharif, Salahuddin, Amin, Abdul Wali, all these brothers who still stand for what was right. They listened to him. He said, I know all I know about the Quran. I know him personally. It wasn't interesting to me. I was not interested in hearing about that in 1968, 69, and 70. I didn't care about it. I was busy worrying about building my own nation. However, he eventually gave me a certificate and made me his successor, a certificate I have with his years on today, which I was not interested in being a part of the Islamic Mission of America because it housed a whole bunch of Pakistani demons and a whole bunch of confused Negroes who don't know what they want to be. So we broke off and we formed what we refer to as the Nubian Islamic Hebrews. Enough Hebrew to keep the Muslims away and enough Islam to keep the Hebrews away so we could do our own thing. Because we have a right to do our own thing, to be ourselves, to have our own stuff, as I say. So let me take you another step there. Then you want to get into it. My apology was met with stupidity. Dr. Khalid and a bunch of other ones started talking about me, calling me a fool. They flashed this thing around. And they, they took my kindness with me. I'm going to take them another step. You know, there's actually three of them now, in view of the fact that Wolfie Muhammad has introduced a new one. There's a third guy that got coming out of Fuji. They call him Professor Abdullah Muhammad. He died in 1992. I tell you about him. He's a new one. He's a third one now. Now, what are you going to say? Warfi Muhammad was raised there. He was the Honorable Elijah Muhammad's son. And his son, Wali, who runs the radio station, and Warfi Muhammad's best friend, who's called John Ramadan. These people got their own mission out there, and they're putting information out about a new Quran who just died in California in 1992. You don't know nothing about that. You don't want to hear the truth. You want to live a lie. Remember, like I said before, the old story of the Last Temptation movie where Paul comes across the real Messiah and don't want to accept what he had to say. And I got my old Messiah. Paul went out and started a whole new religion. It wasn't called Christianity because the Nicene Council and them didn't meet in the fire century and Antioch didn't take place until 300 years after Jesus was gone. It was still called Nazarene. Let me take you to another level on this if you really want to go. You know, there was a guy, this is the real one, by the way, and his name was Paul Abdul Ali Muhammad. They spell that F U. A.D. You got that? All right. 
Now check this. That's the name he's given at birth. Later on, he had to take on a new name. His name was Abdul Wali Farah Muhammad Ali. It's because he was involved in a whole bunch of illegal things. His birth date was 1891. That's right, 1891. Where was this man born? He was born in Palestine. What was his original nationality? He was Turkish by nationality. What was his religion? His religion was Islam. He was affiliated with the Morris Science Temple, Pan-Arabism, the Ahmadiyya, and the Ikhwani Muslimin, the Muslim Brotherhood, and any other type of revolutionary group. He was basically anti-America. He was against America, giving Israel the right to exist. His mother was Russian. Her name was Salima Hassan, or Hussan. And her religion was Islam. His father was Syrian. His name was Abdul Ali Qudri al baith This is the real one now, Faoud. Abdul Ali Mohammed. He spelled it M-O-H-A-M-M-E-D, not for the youth. Right? This guy left Palestine and relocated into Saudi Arabia. There he went to school. He studied there. He studied in Medina in Saudi Arabia. He didn't pop up in the United States and he came up in New Jersey and started bothering the Moorish Science Temple called the Canaanite Temple at the time. And that was in 1914. He was 23. He got arrested in 1929 for anti-American involvement. But the King Saud family of Saudi Arabia, which Fahd was one of his sons, don't make Fahd and Fahd, which is, which is F-A-H-D, Fahd, who still lives today, who's running Saudi Arabia here in 1996, right? They funded this original one to come here. After funding his education in Medina, Saudi Arabia, the Islamic University, this man was very intelligent. He spoke 16 different languages these days. I don't know how true it was, I wasn't there. Jeff Daoud said he spoke fluent Arabic, French, uh, Hebrew, and quite a few other languages. He knew him personally. All right, now, y'all with me? You want me to keep going? I just did. Because it is deep. And it's shocked. The people don't want to hear. All right, now look. He first appeared in 1914. He's around age 23 years in New York, New Jersey. He starts to go to the Moore Science Temple, and he's causing a lot of problems. He messes around with them. He's acting on the picture, like I said before. In the upper left-hand corner, you can see a picture of him when he was visiting Chicago at that temple. Now, he stays around there until about 1917. I guess he's about 26 then. All right? Then he leaves there because Noble Dwali wasn't going to tolerate him messing with his followers with this Arabic, something that they didn't have the knowledge of at the time. So he leaves there. Where does he go? He goes to Chicago. He arrives in Chicago around 1919. I guess he's around 28 years old. Okay, y'all with this? Okay, this is stuff we checked out. I've written this book. His manuscript to be passed on to me. That Yahoo was financed and funded by King Faisal, another Saud family, to eliminate that story and that gossip that was taking place because Saudi Arabia was both friends with America and this guy was, who was a terrorist roaming around his vision with this Palestinian guy, Fahad Abdul Ali Muhammad, was causing problems and saying he was from the noble family of the Quraysh, saying he was from Saudi Arabia and that his name was Fahad. And the Saudi Arabians wanted to get rid of that, so they financed Sheikh Daoud, which I'll get into a little later, if you want. If not, I'll shut up. Because I intended to shut up before, and I mind my business from 1990 to 1995, when young ministers started coming out and trying to talk about me and the nation. I'm building a bigger nation. I got other things to do. We are always trying to move. We are going by leaps and bounds. We are touching people everywhere. But you want to pull and knock on the door and pull me back out of the time. So here I am. I had much more of that story, but I just didn't bring it out because it wasn't my business. I love the honorable life, Muhammad. I love everything he stood for. And that's it. I don't care about what the ministers feel. They think they're just people like me. 
But they couldn't leave well enough alone. They wouldn't tell their followers when the generous suggestion for me to back off, so they went and rubbed me the wrong way and now I'm back out. One more, one. Right. You can see the picture of him in Chicago, right? He visited the Noah Ali Temple. They have a picture of a celebration there, and it appears um, that he's in the upper left-hand corner. I think the, the, the date was October the 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th, and 20th, that's right, of 1928, right? And this was the real man calling himself a prophet. Let me establish something right now. Back then in the 30s, to call yourself a prophet was a very common thing. We had Father Divine, a prophet, Noble Jolly, a prophet. We had Erlene Gould White, the Seventh-day Adventist. She called herself a prophet. Charles Russell, or Leather Ford, Joseph name Ford, called himself a prophet. Edgar Casey called himself a prophet. Back in those days, being called a prophet was a very common thing. And in the shrine of lodges, they reached a certain degree where they're called a prophet. It had nothing to do with the Islamic concept of prophet. Even Dr. Martin Luther King was referred to as a prophet. Noble Juali was called prophet, Noble Juali. It had nothing to do with Nebi and India, Nebihin and Nebawa and all of those things that mean so much today that Muslims are in this country from all over the place, pretending they hate the country, but living all luxury is going to Disney World and popping America. And now they just down some ridiculous things like, what does the word Nebi mean? What did uh, Elijah Muhammad mean? He was a messenger. Was it a Ritala or was it a Rasul or a messenger? You know, Elijah Muhammad is whatever he wants to be to us, but he came to us. He's out. He's out. And we can take him and accept him for what we want to be. We don't care what you have to say about your desert concept. Now, right, let me get back on this point. Now, you know that this guy eventually caused himself so much trouble jumping from group to group, getting involved with all these different people. And he was still living in um, 1921. He was still living in Chicago around 830. But he caused so much trouble with the American government that they imprisoned him in San Quentin. And eventually, he was murdered in 1929 A.D. Same year, Claude, Noble Duale, and a lot of others were murdered. They were eliminating people. Project Aura, they called it. Getting rid of all these problems. Now, this man here was so involved and so intense and influenced so many people, but they wanted a plot to go on. They wanted to control the minds of these people. So now, he becomes Abdul Wali Farad Muhammad Ali. He joins in with the Ahmadiyya and the Ikhwani Muslimin or the Muslim Brotherhood up until about 1920, as I said before. And he starts to visit all the different groups around Chicago. You with me? You with me? I don't think they know all this stuff. I think they just think they know. He's playing two ends from the middle. His main objective is to stir confusion in America. Right? They call him Professor Fahd. Mispronouncing his name, which is Fahd, which is a Turkish version of the word Fahd, not to be mistaken again, like I said, with Fajr, but early morning player, or Fahd, obligatory as opposed to Sunnah, not to be mistaken, which was mistaken because the imposter didn't speak Arabic and he passed on to the Honorable Elijah Muhammad a lack of Arabic and the nation of Islam didn't study Arabic. They got the names all confused up and got all the characters all confused, and that worked to the benefit of the government at the time they were trying to move everybody. So now he becomes known as Professor Ford, and you can find the name Professor Ford right inside the books of Noble Dwali. He makes reference to him there. And Noble Dwali, in case you didn't know, existed before the nation of Islam. He had the star crescent before the nation of Islam. He didn't only have a Moroccan flag with a five-pointed star, he also used the five-pointed star and crescent. He had the fans before the nation of Islam. He used the word sun, moon, and star, and freedom, justice, and equality, and all these things before the nation of Islam even existed. All right. Now, the Muslim Brotherhood uh, of Egypt, right, they were founded by a guy named Hassan al-Banna, who was really from the Wahhabi sect, influenced by the Saudi Arabia. All right? This Muslim Brotherhood is the same one today. They call him the Ikhwan. 
Now they're the same ones responsible for them checks blowing up those buildings. They are the rabbitat in Dardo Ittam. They are the spread of all of this terrorism worldwide. This is a plot by these demons. All right? This Sheikh Hassan Obenna found his branch of the group in Egypt as the Wahhabi sect in 1745. This plot goes back a long way. He proclaimed himself as the reformer, a form of Mahdi, a form of Messiah to Islam in Egypt. At the time, gradually, them titles drifted away, and he just became the great imam or the great chef. But originally, he considered himself a Mahdi. And he had his own interpretation of Islam and the Quran, a very fanatical interpretation, which breeds these demons who feel it's all right to go around and terrorize the world. Right? You understand? This is the that came from Egypt over here, from Palestine over here, from Turkey over here, from Morocco over here, a bunch of Caucasians who had invaded the real religion, Islam, when it was in the first impurity, and had poisoned it. Now it's in the hands of a bunch of demons, and then they gave it back to the Nubians as if it was dead. And they accepted it. All right, at least when we were saying Shahrullah, we identified with the Sudan, with people who were good, that were Nubian like ourselves. He wasn't going around running up on the Pakistanis, running up on the pale Egyptians, running up on the Turkish, running up on the Syrians, running up on the Saudi Arabians. That wasn't our way. And that's another reason why I wasn't like, and I was always called a racist. Because I was running a race for my race. I cared about me. I cared about my kind. That made me the troublemaker. Believe it or not, I got more flack from Nubian brothers in America than I did from any Arabs. All right, so two years after he joined the Muslim Brotherhood, and also involved himself with the Ahmadiyya, which was on 1921, around age 30, this same guy, Fahad Abdul Ali Muhammad, this is the real way I'm talking about, right? He started causing all kinds of problems in American government. Right, he joined this anti-American group known as Pan-Arabism, I think they call it, Pan-Arabism. Uh, they are a, a Palestinian group, which is a Hezbollah and all those guys. They're a revolutionary movement, typical of that time, right? They were very angry. It was about the fact that the United States was pro approving the plan for Zionists and was giving them their own state in the United Nations. They planned to sneak in here and disrupt this country's system. And also, it linked in the Nazis, because the Nazis are the only ones who would finance them, because the Arabs didn't have no money. So there is a Arab, Turkish, Syrian, Nazi involvement here. Okay, let's go on now. One of their main bases of establishing stuff is in Ann Arbor, Michigan. You can go look it up. They start setting up Islamic universities there. All of these are part of the Now, because of Fahd Abdul Ali Muhammad's involvement with all these groups, he managed to get himself arrested several times between 1926 and 1929. Upon his final and fatal arrest, which is in 1929, he went to San Quentin, as I said before, the penitentiary in California, where he was put to death. They eliminated him. Later, they came up with a plot to replace him with what I refer to as the imposter. Again, this was the first one who was eliminated, the real one, named, who now they call Master Farad Muhammad. Now let's walk on that. Let's work and see where that goes. The second one, the imposter, he arrived in Los Angeles, California in the year 1914 A.D. Wallace Dodd Ford was his real name, all right, W.D. Ford. They also call him the prophet, some people call him. Hey, now check this out now. I'm going to be running off a while, so you got to be with me. I'm going to give you a whole history right here. Which later he just became known as Ford. So he became, his real name is Wallace Dodd Ford, a bit, typical British name. Then later on he becomes uh, uh, W.D. Fard. Notice, you know, he's not W.F. Muhammad like 1 to 36, but W.D. sneaks in there. Why all these names changing? Why all these different people are changing? And y'all talk about my name changing? I'm the same person. All right, now. 
He just entered Chicago out of some point coming from Portland, Oregon. That's where the police record stadium. Uh, they have him registered as that being his place of birth. All right? He was of American birth, an American citizen, and he was born in the year 1891 A.D. Although they list him as 1877. Just look at the picture on the wall behind the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and calculate the date from 1877 to 1930, 1931, or 1937. See if that man is that age. Wallace Dodd Ford was born 1891 A.D. And he, for the help of the FBI, assumed the name of the original, or the personality of the original ones who they eliminated. They needed him to amongst those in Norm. He was born in Portland, Oregon. Nationality, white American. Color eyes, brown. Color hair, brown. What was his blood type even? He had type A, they call it an anti-B antibody, right? That is the blood of a Caucasian, not that of a Nubian. What was his religion? By birth, he was a Mormon by birth. Affiliation, Nazism, FBI, and a double agent. Now, this is the Caucasian one, the one that's being circulated as the real one. What was his mother's name? Minnie D. Ford. Where was she from? She was a British living in Polynesia. What was her maiden name? Dejan. What was his father's name? Alfonso Dodge Ford. What was he? A merchant seaman of British birth. Did I do my homework? They had a son. His name was Wallace Max Ford. He was born September 10th, 1938 in Los Angeles, California. These are things that Daoud got on record. He brought out the Crusader and all the investigation papers, the police records, the files, the blood sites. He did this up. He was giving it to me, and I didn't want it. I was not interested in it, but it was given to me anyway. I don't want to be the one that makes all this stuff clear. It's not my business. But they made it my business. I said in 1999, I give up. Let me go about my business. But no. <laughs> they got to wake up and sleep and lie. So now you want the rest of the information? I'm going to give you what I was doing. You have a right not to believe in my, what I refer to as mentor, Chef Daoud, and I have a right not to believe in your interpretation. But mine is backed up with facts, and yours is not producing any facts. Because you can't tell us where your father went, when he was born, where he was born, his mother and father, all you got is a bunch of mythology. I get you a date, fact, blood type, and even have a fingerprint on record. This can be gotten, you can assess this. But you don't want to hear it. I understand. Blind faith is about. All right? So now, once he relocated, he left Portland, Oregon around 1914 at age 23, and he started to reside in California. He started getting arrested there. He was a troublemaker. From 1918 to 1926, he had three different arrests from 28, 27 to 38. Sentenced eventually to life and made a deal with the government. This deal got him his release in 1929 at age 38, about the age of the picture on the wall, when he was assumed the personality of the devil. Did the Honorable Elijah Muhammad know him the original? No. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad was affiliated with Ahmadiyya group. He had an Ahmadiyya name, Bulama Bulam. Everybody knew that. They know he wore Ahmadiyya caps. They knew he was involved with the Moorish Science Temple. His father was denied, but they know he was a Moorish Science cap. He used the Yusuf Ali Quran first. Quran, which is the Sunni Quran, and then he switches over to the Ahmadiyya Quran, which is the Quran the Minister Louis Farrakhan and I view today. There's some affiliation there with the Creator. If you don't want me to go on, I can go home. You want to hear the message? You want to hear it? All right, so I'll do my best. Okay, here. Now, so he first pops up in Chicago at the Morris Science of claiming to be the reincarnation of Noble Drew Ali. Right, this is July 4th, 1930. Now he's about 39 years old. He disappears around June 30th, around 1934, at age 43. This is when they say he left. Why did he leave? We'll get into that. You see, on August 15, 1959, a newspaper article appeared in Chicago 
news called the Crusader. The headline listed Master W.D. Fahd Muhammad as another of Wallace Dodd's false aliases. All right? As a Turkish ex-agent of Adolf Hitler, Nazi, this paper was repeated. The article was put out again around August 1st, 1959. Who do you think was behind these articles? Chef Daoud. Who was Chef Daoud? A Moroccan fez born Nubian. Who influenced the Morris Science Temple? I know. I was with him since 1957. Don't say, Imam Isa took a on the You lie. And you know you lie. And I got documents to prove it. But you don't want to see the documents because you'd like to shut my mouth because you don't want to know the truth because if the truth will make you see a message from God All right. Now, who wrote that, they say? It was written by none other than my mentor, Haji Talib Daoud. That was Sheikh Daoud's real name. Many people don't know that. He later changed his name to Sheikh Daoud. He was born, check the date, in 1891, and he died in 1980. And I was there. And his brothers, if they're honest, will come forward and tell you. We was in safety. We was at the hospital with him. And he pointed and said, you're the man to take over. And he gave me all his manuscripts and said, you do this here. I don't want him to do it. This wasn't my business. I was not concerned with a man that, was, that had left in 1934 here. I'm, back, I'm 1970. Worrying about after coming out of the 1960 revolution, what to do with my people. All right. Now, let's check out, as you know him, whose real name was what? Haji... Talib Dawood, that's right. All right. He known later as Sheikh Dawood. Everybody knows. Now, when was he born? 1891. He founded what's referred to as Islamic Mission in America. He was an advocate enemy of the man who was the imposter. He knew he was pretending because he was very close to Saud Abdul Ali Muhammad. Why? Because both of them were funded by the same family, the Saud family from Saudi Arabia. He knew him. He's the one who suggested he change his name to Abdul Wali Farah Muhammad. So that he could stay in the heck out of trouble. Chef Dow tried to help him out, but this guy was just an angry, vicious Arab who kept getting himself in trouble until he finally got himself killed. All right? We're going to go on at this point. All right, but I'm getting out of way here. All right, let's do it, right? At the time, Chef Dow owned two businesses. He had his own enterprises, one in Harlem and one in Philadelphia. Right now, in the year 1950, at age 59, he used his own money because he had used it. Remember, Saudi Arabia was from them, and he brought out that same paper called the Crusader. Don't believe me? Go check it out. Right? He ordered them same articles to be reprinted about Wallace Dodd Ford, who they sometimes refer to as Wali, W-A-L-I. He had a whole list of names when he got arrested. All right? Now, when he put that article out, he knew this was going to cost a lot of profits. He knew this was going to cost a lot of people in America to be mad at him. But Shaq Dodd, if you knew him the way I know he didn't care. He was concerned with the truth. What are we concerned with? The truth. Our brothers and sisters that are being led by the wrong people, they don't want to stop and correct them. While I see people gathering, I'm thinking someone's teaching the truth and they're not telling the whole story. They'll go from Savior's Day to Savior's Day. It's supposed to be a representation of Farah's Day and never do you give a full history. You have a mythological history about an original black man who's a white, having a white woman with seven demons in her, which is confined, like I said before, right in the book of Luke, and cast the demons out and give birth to God, and God had disguised himself. He was an honor like, he didn't look like us. God has disguised himself so that nobody don't beat him up, then he can't help me. I can't help me, he's disguised himself. He can come through, come as who he is. I'm standing here, I'm a God of flesh, I'm as who I am. I've been teaching in 1970, and have withstand all of their threats. I've been abused by birds, but I am that they won't come out against me to deal with the truth. Because they know I'm right. They know I'm exact at all times. 
Hi now. A few years later, an article popped up in Los Angeles, California, the Herald Examiner. That's going on July 29, 1969, claiming that black Muslim founder is exposed as white. Now, why would Elijah Muhammad take the posture of denying the man in the article that was W.D. Spar? It was an article in time. Muhammad's speech wrote a rebuttal to the article. It was released uh, in Los Angeles, California, at the Herald Examiner, on July 29, 1963. And August 16, 1963, he released it. They answered the claim that the Nation of Islam offered $100,000, right? To clear up the charges, anyone can prove that that man, which is the picture behind the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, is that Nazi or that white man, that Caucasian, who is a phony. Now, until the time Chef Jolly has nothing to say about it, he stopped because it was a fruitless battle. Now, Chef had all the investigators, all these people with him. He retrieved the arrest records on fraud. He got all the information. He even got the arrest record of June 12, 1926, which had the mugshot that was on the docket of C117924. Uh, you can go look it up, the Bureau of Criminal Investigation. After doing an overlay, which is called morphing today, a technique that's used with computers enhancement, and overlaying each picture, I did it myself. I said, whoa, wait a minute. All of these faces are the same people. We start laying faces over faces and the lips and the eyes line up. Something is wrong. These are all the same men. And I begin to wonder why is the nation of Islam denying the man that was supposed to be their savior? Because they did not know that he was the imposter. They thought that he was the real one. They were fools. And it can happen to anybody. But you've got to be able to face it and go on. Again, the plan was examining all threats that included Marcus Garvey, Duke Ali, Daddy Gray, Father Devine, Charles Rutherford, Tazi Russell, uh, even Joseph Smith of the Mormons. They were getting rid of him and Ian Gould of the, what do you call those people, the Seven Day Adventures. And Noble Jolly, Claude Green, and of course they got rid of the main man, Saud Abdul Ali. Muhammad. He was eliminated. Many other people died in James, and I mentioned, like I said before, not only about the nation of Islam and their story, it involved a whole lot of people and all of us in America. And now all of our leaders back then in that same era were being eliminated, deeper than just new people. So who's behind it? A group of beings or men referred to as black angels. You can find the book, Black Angels, written by, I think, a Stalin Hub. It's a true story of what really took place and who really controlled the Islam, and he had to print it as a fiction because they wouldn't let him print it as a fact. Who are these black angels? You really want to know? Yeah. Right, they're also called the Guardians of the Four Wings. What's going on here? It's a major plot. All right, I'm going to do my best now. You ready? The names were, as you find it at page five, Isaac Payne, Jacob Robb, who's also known as Yaakov Rab, Joseph Malcolm, who's also known as Yusuf Malik, and uh, Michael Solomon, who's also known as Mikhail Suleiman. This was those four that was recruited to control the nation of Islam. Since Farr's departure in 1930, these men have devoted themselves to secretly guiding the nation of Islam in a direction that they thought would best suit the leader, Elijah Muhammad. And Elijah Muhammad was unaware of this secret movement moving behind him. Nation of Islam literature frequently mentions 24 scientists or imams. He even call them angels. Sometimes he speaks of seven angels walking around the most fair as put in the land and one in the sea. 
right? And these men had the ability to control the history of the world in advance, they would say. And it was hoped that the guardian angels would be the fulfillment of these 24 scientists. They gave the impression that they controlled things. It was agreed that the nation of Islam were to become the most dominant, influential black group in America. See, they were clean cut, bow ties, clean shaven. It was non-intimidating. That was long before they started putting on FOI uniforms and, and, and uh, the women started wearing those garbs. They were just, you know, another Nubian group. So they were not really intimidating in appearance by far. And if you look at some of the brothers today, they're clean shaven. They look more American than people who consider themselves anti-American. The first thing they had to do is they had to take control. It became important for them to control the nation of Islam so they can control the direction of which it went. And that way they can control all of it after having eliminated all of the leaders that were the problems in government. Right? This brings us into a whole nother time. So now you see we had two Farahs. We had the original, the Palestinian, Turkish, and Barbara Nazis, and then we had the imposter placed in there to cause the problem. They succeeded in eliminating all the black leaders, and they chose a man that they said was not very educated, but had made him the leader. And all the people that opposed all of Elijah Muhammad coming into leadership was called Kareem at the time, they got them out the way. All right, the movement is going on, it's starting to grow, things are starting to look good. However, Elijah Muhammad finds out that the man is not the real one. How do you tell all these people? All these thousands of followers, all this money, banks, planes, jet, I mean, all the time he just went by, it wasn't, that man who came to me was, was not the real Farad. Not the real, it couldn't be done that way. He had to come up with another whole scheme. The scheme was to take the son, where be Muhammad, and put him in charge. Because he would pull all of these people, because Allah had a good heart. He wanted to pull all these people in the mainstream Islam, and that would be it, before he died. They got him off his dying bed to make the theology of time. Right along the early part of the 70s, from up to 72, 73. He was going out there to teach them and weave it back in. But they had another plan. He had a friend he used to communicate with from Pakistan, from Uzzah Ahmadiyya. He referred to him as Professor Muhammad Abdullah. Uh, he was born in the province of Punjab. This is the same one who died on June 18, 1992, in um, Haywood, California. All right? This man was communicating with Uncle Elijah Muhammad since 1947. He finally came to the United States in 1959. All right? The plot was to make this man spars. To make people think that he was spars, and they can convince him that he was spars, he would go to the podium, and he would tell people, and he was all together, they would be able to pull everybody over. World Peace Muhammad was in on it, but he was already Sunni. The eyes because he was educated amongst the Arabs in Egypt. So he was very easy. It was a part of life. He was the man to be the one. Minister Louis Farrakhan didn't know nothing about the plot and couldn't be used. He could be a problem. So they had to suppress him. If you look at that same day in 1975, he's the only one crying. Everybody else knows what's going on. There's some sad people, but he's the only one that's really torn down. What? Everybody else knew. He already cried two years ago. They knew what happened. All right? But he didn't know. And he thought that he was going to become the leader of this organization when the organization was trying to mellow itself down. Well, D. Muhammad was put into position. Everybody knows he was not in the temple. He was not accused of Farad's story. All his life he was an opposer. It's in the history. Just go read it. You can see it. But, no. They select him on that Savior's Day in 1975. Hold him up. Everybody cares. And they all get up one by one and agree that he is the man that the honorable Elijah Muhammad said they should follow. Yet, now they did not follow him and they consider what they're doing right. 
when they all admitted, you go back and look at the Jake out there, all miles from Muhammad Ali to Jesse Jackson to Farrakhan to all the sons and even the brother of Allah Muhammad was there. And they all, the top ministers, admitted that the Allah Muhammad, they heard say out their own mouth that they should follow Warwick D. Muhammad. Yet, they're not doing it. So they didn't follow what he said. But, but we're wrong for telling the true story about the thing. Same story the Warwick D. Muhammad is trying to tell you, though. But they won't tell you that. That same guy they're saying now in the new papers, uh, Muhammad Abdullah, Professor Muhammad was from Punjab. He is the original Farad. He is the original Farad. Another whole man they add in. And talking to this man's family, because you know he's married. He lived in California. He had a wife and he had kids. He had three sons. He had a son named Saeed, a son named Zah, and a son named Akbar. Coincidence that Elijah Muhammad's son is also Akbar. He was also educated in Arabic. It has nothing to do with the nation of No coincidence. Look into it. Find it out. Right? Wolfie Muhammad introduces him. He is Muhammad Abdullah. He's born in 1905. Where is he born? India, Punjab. He's not telling you the fact of saying Ahmadiyya Link. You follow? They don't know much about his mother, they don't know much about his father. Right? He has these, like I said, three sons, Sayyid, Zafar, and Akbar Abdullah. Alright? Check now. One of his sons, or his daughter-in-law, his name is Zakia Abdullah, she is the granddaughter of Molana Muhammad Ali, who wrote the Molana Muhammad Ali Quran. Don't believe me. Check it out. You want the real information? Check it out. This guy moved to Chicago officially in 1960 and becomes a member of the Nation of Islam. He's going to help to bring this thing over. On June 18, 1992, he died in Haywood, California. Worldly Muhammad and them to this very day are teaching you that that was Farad. You can investigate it. You can look it up yourself. They're putting this out now that that was the original Farad. There was three of them. The plot thickens. I've written a book about it, and you will be able to get it in several, because I know it's not as clear, because I've got to come out of my head here, and it's not the same thing. But as near as you'll get to it. The right to this very day, you can contact either Wally or uh, John Ramadan or work right and tell you the truth. But why don't you want to believe someone who's sitting there? Why don't you want to follow the man that all the lies Muhammad told you all to follow him? Why? If he told you to follow him, all your ministers admit it right there in public and everybody. Why are y'all not doing it? And then you follow Farrakhan, who's taking you nowhere. He's taking you into the political arena, something Elijah Muhammad said don't go into. He tells you he destroyed Elijah Muhammad after he had died, something Elijah Muhammad said can't come true. He tried to assume his personality, put on his clothes, change into African clothes, change out of African clothes. You know, can't y'all see that it's a money game, it's a political thing that y'all are getting tied up in? And it's not about no politics and politics, that's technology. It's about our people getting the truth. And there's a true story here. Whether you want to hear or not, it happens to be a true story. Shut down at the document. He was there, and I was a student. You cannot deny that. But you didn't know that Shut down was the same man. You can look back in your papers that was there opposing the impossible. That's where Imam Isa, or as you call me, Dr. Melakai, you get this information. It's right and exact. Like the leaders. It doesn't make no difference to the ACM. So we don't worship the law. We don't worship no white images. To us, he's a white man. That makes you mad. But when I see him, I do not see an African. I do not see an Asian. I do not see a Native American. I do not see anything but a Caucasian. And I'm not worshiping no Caucasian. Not in 1996. No more tricks in 96. You can take it that way if you want to. I'm not going down that path. I respect all of Elijah Muhammad. He was one of us, raised up amongst us, taught us. He's the one who built that nation. Well, I was gone in 1934. Everything that happened from 1934 all the way up until the time Allah Elijah Muhammad died in 1973. He built that there. He was the man behind that. That's the man I give my respect to. And don't fault me because I don't want to follow some guy who don't look like me. 
not my way. And I'm not taking my people down that way. So I'm saying that to say, if you people will leave us alone, we won't have nothing to do with you. Because we as ACM, WAPO, the Nubian Nation, we are grown by leaps and bounds. You don't want to accept the other man when you're talking about, oh, back. But hey, leave me alone to be about my stuff and get my job done for my people. We want our own stuff. We have our own language, our own culture, our own dances, our own food. Leave us alone, we'll leave you alone. But tell your ministers, I said, let's let it rest, because this is deeper than they know, much deeper. Let me move on to something else now. to the true light with Sayyid al-Imam Isa al-Hadi al-Mahdi in a live question and answer session. I think that if we turn to Genesis chapter 6 and start to read, we're going to see about a certain point in the history of the Bible where supernatural beings, as they're called, came down to earth and went into women and gave birth to special children. And these people mixed amongst the children of earth. And a lot of them are thought to be crazy and derelict because they just cannot adjust. Now that man is on this new evolutionary stage of consciousness, those beings are thought to be nothing. And it's sad. Now if you read it, it says, Genesis 6, 
And it came to pass when man began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of man that they were fair. And they took them, wives of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit will not always strive with men, for he is but flesh, and his days shall be a hundred and twenty. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, what happened? The sons of God came in under the daughters of man, and they bore them what? Children. Right? They brought children to them. The same became mighty men, which were of old, the men of renown, referred to in the Quran as Awalina, the ancients of days, or the 24 elders who came down and mixed with women. So there are mortals walking the earth who have, who are sons of God, women or men, and they are thought to be nuts because they cannot adjust to this system. They cannot adjust to this society. And the Bible is teaching this. Now, if you want to call me crazy, I'll, I don't mind. <laughs> I'm in good company. But a, but a lot of people have never been told about this section in the Bible, right in Genesis, where it tells you that certain beings from heaven came down and mingled amongst women. The same way the angel Gabriel came down and mingled with Mary and gave birth to Jesus. Well, these beings have the same powers of Jesus. They're Christ-like. But they don't know it because they've been living amongst mortals so long that they have lost their destiny. And we are here to claim them. They are our being. They must be taken home. We are here to claim them. But we can't because they're so scattered and lost. And they're so afraid of us. They won't sit with us. They'll sit with men and sup with men. So I'm putting information out because it will stimulate certain senses in them. That will make them realize that they belong here. Then they'll be taught, and they'll make the transition out of here. But man on earth is about to destroy himself. And it's sad that you sons of Adam are going to suffer while this demon destroys the world that you live in and lets you garb yourself right in white and learn to be amongst the 144,000 so that you can be taken up for a thousand years to be groomed while the devil is cast into the lower part of the earth for a thousand years and then you'll come back to a new earth. You want to read about it? Open your Bible to Revelations. Revelations 21. It says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, the New Jerusalem, that said mothership. Now, I'm not talking about the small motherships that have ships that come around that they see. The big one is called the Crystal City. Mentioned in this Quran and the Torah. Here it is right in the Bible. It's called the New Jerusalem. And I, John, saw the holy city. We call it Darul Islam in the Quran. The abode of peace. I, John, saw the holy city, the New Jerusalem, doing what? Coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride or dawn for her husband. That means the ship is ready for all of those gowned in the white, in the garb of righteousness, to be taken. And I heard a great voice out of heaven crying, Behold the tabernacle of God. Look at the tabernacle of God. 
it's with man, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. That's why I told you don't fear. And there shall be no more death, because you'll have eternal life. We do not die in our bones. We've surpassed death. That's why I said I was around 76 billion years. The ability to incarnate is something that you'll learn too. We don't have death. Neither do we have sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. We don't suffer sicknesses or diseases. For the former things, all this wickedness and sickness and disease will be then passed away. Number five. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things what? No. And he said unto me, Right, for these words are true and faithful. He wanted him John to write this stuff down, and this is what I'm reading to you. And he said unto me, It is done. It's over. I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that a thirst of the mountains of the water of life. That means those people who are thirsty, they will be quenched. Seven, he that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my what? My son, like I said, he's the first of the stage of being Christian, Jew, Muslim, and then you move on if you're ready to become a son of God or a son of Allah. And in the Holy Quran, when it says Allah does not have any sons, it's using the word wallet, not heaven. It means he did not conceive any children. Okay? Number eight. But the fearful, and that's why I told you don't fear because you won't make it. But the fearful and unbelieving, the Catholics, and the abominable people living in abominations, and the murderers, and the whoremongers, and the sorcerers with their astrology, and the idols with their idols, and the liars who lie about Allah, and the days shall have their part in the lake, which is what? Burning with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. What is the second death? Meaning that once man dies, the Quran says, then Allah will raise him to life again to be judged. Certain men will stay into eternal life, and others will be cast back into death, into hell. That's the second death. I repeat. Once man dies, then he is raised to life again, the resurrection. Others will rise in the resurrection of eternal life, and others will be condemned back to death and hell. Number nine. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, and y'all know who the seven archangels are, which had the seven vows, full of the seven last plagues, and talked to me, saying, Come up hither, come hither, come up. I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife, talking about the city. So John, come up, I'm going to show you the glorious city. And he carried me away in the what? In the spirit. He carried me away in the spirit to a what? To a great and high mountain. And showed me what? Showed me that great city, that holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven. From God. This is that ship that's above y'all. Believe me or not, I don't care. You'll find out anyway. 
Number 11, having the glory of God and her light was like unto a stone of precious, most precious, like a, it was, I call it the crystal city, because like a stone, most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as what? Crystal. And it has a wall, great and high. It has a city closed in a dome, it has pillars in it. It has 12 gates. And at the gates, 12 angels, half of 24. These are the children to protect the gate, to keep man from entering the city. And at the gates, 12 angels, and the names were written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. Each one of these angels symbolized one of the tribes of Israel, which is backed up by Ezekiel 48, 31, and 34. We have time to read that later. On the east, three gates. On the north, three gates. On the south, three gates. And on the west, three gates. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations. They are describing a ship. And in them the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Now yet 24. And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof, and the wall thereof. And the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as its breadth, it's a circle, it's as long as a square. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs the length, and the breadth and the height of it is equal. So it's perfect, a perfect circle like, okay? And he measured the wall thereof, a hundred and forty and four cubits. Does that sound familiar? Hundred and forty-four thousand, hundred and forty-four cubits according to the measurement of men. You see? That is of the angel. Seventy-two yards. I'll give it to you like this. Seventy-two yards, fifteen hundred miles. That's how large it is across the city. 1,500 miles by 72 yards. Just think about that. <laughs> and the foundation of the wall of the city was garnished. This will go on and on and explain to you about the whole rest of the city. If you read Revelation 21, you're reading about that city. If you read Revelation 20, you read about how we bound the devil. And I saw an angel that's Michael, the one that Jesus sent in his image, come down from heaven. And everybody's going to think Michael is Jesus, and he's not. Having the key of the bottomless pit, he knows how to get people to Agrata. And a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent which is the devil and Satan, and bound him 1,000 years. I also tell you Revelations 12, 9 will back this up. That the devil will be bound for a thousand years, but the 144,000 will be in the city for a thousand years being groomed. Then they'll come and ride back forth in shining white with the Lamb. This is in the Bible. And cast him, meaning the devil, into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him. The devil's ways will be stopped for a thousand years. That he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, 
he must be loose just for a little while. And I saw the throne, because the devil is an angel, you know, who fell from grace. And I saw the throne, and they that sat upon them. And judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus. That means it's all the devoted disciples who they killed because they bore witness of him and got the right to become sons of God. And for the word of the Creator, and for the scriptures and the teachings that he taught. And which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image. They didn't worship him, nor did they try to look like him. Most people today try to look like white people. They dress like him, they want to they comb their hair like him, they want to do everything like him. But these people that don't make it, they will not worship the beast, neither his image, neither has received his mark upon their forehead. That mark on their forehead is a consequence of prostration and worship of the devil. That mark on the forehead is a symbol of obedience and submission to the devil as opposed to the creator. Or on their hands. That means living by the dollar, buy nor sell, except you as the mark of the beast. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. And they was in the city for a thousand years while the devil was in the pit for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. But the rest of the people of the earth who died will not resurrect until a thousand years are over. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection. On such the second death has no power. Those beings who stop now and resurrect now, when that period strikes, they are blessed because they won't have to worry about dying. Because they'll go right from the state of righteousness into eternal life. They'll be putting on immortality. But if you have to die first, then you're going to taste hell. Quran teaches us. You taste hell. Blessed, number six again. Blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection. On such the second death has no power. But they shall be, what? Priests of God. In the books of Hebrew, Jesus was made a priest after the order of Melchizedek, who was called Michael the angel. And Melchizedek was a priest after the order of the Most High. Well, these beings will make that transition to the order of Melchizedek under the green light. But they shall be priests of God and of the Messiah Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. His gene is called in the Quran. And shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle. The number of whom is as the sea, as the sand of the sea, Ezekiel 38, 2. And they went up on the breadth of the earth. They went to another plain. And compassed the camp of the saints. The devil himself is going to try to get up to the sacred city, the camp of the saints. About. They try to enter. The devil will try to close the city in. And fire came down from God out of heaven to devour them. Who? Who did he devour? Number 10. 
And the devil that deceiveth them was cast into a lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophets are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne, that's the ship again, and he that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, and there was found no more place for them. The presence of the Almighty will remove the very earth and heaven you believe in. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. Now what happened? And the books were opened. Now we come into Yahweh, the day of judgment. And the books were opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of these things which were written in the books according to their works. Number 13. And the sea gave up the dead which was in it. All the people who were buried in the sea were the rest. And the dead and hell delivered up the dead which were in it. And all those beings that was in hell after this were raised again. And they were judged every man according to their works. You understand that? You'll be judged according to what you've done. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. There is no more hell and there is no more dying. This is the second death. No more, that is, the next one is the spiritual. There'll be no more physical. And who, soever, was not found written in the book of life, what happened to these people? Was cast into the lake of fire. You understand? Now, right after that is the section I read before about the ship coming. Telling you about it right in the book. People are afraid of the book of Revelation because they don't understand it. If they understood about extraterrestrials and the sacred cities and angelic beings, they would have no fear of reading it because it's so... What I mean, it isn't simple and clear. <laughs> it's very plain because I know what I'm talking about. Let's go to Revelation chapter 18. And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven. Where did he come from? Down from heaven, having great power. And the earth was lit or lit up with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Confusion for Babylon, the great is fallen. This is not all Babylon, it's a new one. You'll see why. And it become the inhabitants of what? Of devils. Not devil, not the devil. A place where devils reign. And a hole of every foul spirit. Not only is the devils there, but jinns and wicked spirits are here. And a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Demons and stuff. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the kings of the earth have committed fornications with her. And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacy. And I heard another voice from heaven 
saying to you people, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. You understand that? Six, reward her, even as she rewarded you, and double unto her according to her works. In the cup which she has filled with her double. You don't have the right to start revolutions and stuff of that nature. Vengeance is mine, says Allah. They'll get there. If you believe in Allah, you be patient, and everybody, they'll get there. Don't take it into your own hands. Number seven, how much she has glorified herself and lived deliciously, so much torment and sorrow give her. They build themselves on other people. You understand what I'm saying? They leave other countries in suffering and poverty to build themselves. But she says in her heart, she believes this, I said a queen, that's the house, and am no widow. I didn't get my power from no man, and shall see no sorrow, and I'll never fall. Number eight, therefore, because of that, shall her plagues come in one day. There was no AIDS a couple of years ago, and now AIDS and herpes is everywhere. The plagues have come just like death. That's the beginning of the death. In one day, death, this plague brings death. And what? And moaning. And famine. Out west now they're complaining because of the crop dying. Famine in this country. And she shall be utterly burnt with fire. Because the Lord said, I shall no longer destroy the earth by water, but moreover by fire. For strong is the Lord God who judges her. Now who should judge her? Me and you? No. Just get righteous and get ourselves together spiritually. The Lord will take care of the devil. And the kings of the earth who have committed fornications and lived deliciously with her shall bewail her and cry and lament and moan for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning. Why are they going to do this? They'll be standing off afar for fear of her torment, saying, Finally, finally, or at last, at last, that great city of Babel, Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour, thy judgment has come. And the merchants of the earth shall weep and moan over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise anymore. Countries that with allies are going to suffer. Number 12. The merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and of pearl and of fine linen and purples and silks and scarlets and fine and fines and woods and all manner of vessels of ivory and all manner of vessels of most precious wood and brass and iron and marble. All the luxury crammed into one little section. I'm going to get a new marble table. I like that oak chair. Did you see that stuff? All of it, right here, all of it stole from Africa, too. Now, 
and cinnamon and odors of ornaments and frankincense and wines and oils and fine flowers and wheat and beasts and sheep and horses and chariots which are gods and of slaves which are you and the souls of men and the work of your soul. There's another thing he has. You see all the stuff he got? Just take this for fighting people. Number 14. And the fruits that thy soul lusts after are departed from thee. And all things which were dainty and goodly are departed from thee. And thou shalt find them no more at all. The merchants of these things which are made rich by her shall stand off afar for fear of her torment, weeping and wailing. All these countries, they don't believe it's going to fall like they didn't believe Roman Greece would fall. It's going to fall. These people are going to stand by and cry. And they're going to say, and say, finally, finally, at last, at last, that great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and red and decked in gold and precious stones and pearls, for in one hour so great riches has come to nothing. And every shipmaker and all the company in ships and sailors and as many as trained by sea stood off from afar and cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like unto this great city? Nineteen. And they cast dust on their heads and cried, weeping and wailing, saying, Finally, finally, at last, at last, that great city wherein were made rich all that had ships in the sea by reason of the coastland, for in one hour is made desolate. 20. Rejoice over her, thou heaven. Now speaking to the righteous. Rejoice over her, thou heaven, and you holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. You have been listening to The True Light, a question and answer session with Asaid Al-Imamisa Al-Hadi Al-Mahdi. Do you want to know the truth? Can you face the truth? Be sure to read the most dynamic books in history, authored by Asaid Al-Imamisa Al-Hadi Al-Mahdi, on such subjects as, what is a Muslim? Where is the tabernacle of the Most High? Should Muslims observe the Sabbath? Was Christ really crucified? Who was the comforter? Now let us return to the true light with Sayyid al-Imam Isa al-Hadi al-Mahdi. Remember, you are the light and you have the power over all things. This is interesting, isn't it? Number 21, and a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and cast it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall the great city of confusion, Babylon, be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. This is last city. This is last one. There will never be another one. And they live by the sword, they say, and they will die by it. Violence. And the 
and the voice of the harpers and the musicians and your pipings and your trumpeters, all your music that you worship, shall be heard no more at all. And no craft or craftsman of whichever craft, be he mason or builder, shall be found anymore in these. And the sound of the millstone shall be heard no more at all in thee. The factories are shut down. And the light of the candle shall shine no more at all in thee. The light of the candle was a symbol that they put in their window for the hunter to find his way home. There won't be no coming home. And the voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. There'll be no more marriages, but thy merchants were the great men of the earth. Those men that came over here from the east, they were great men of the earth that just hollered poison. But how did she poison them? Says it right here. For by your sorcery, that's devil worship and witchcraft, for by your sorcery were all nations deceived, living under a five-pointed star. See, Muslims with a five-pointed star and crescent. You better get that off your wall. That five-pointed star is a symbol of the pentagram, and the pentagram is a symbol of Satan. They put a five-pointed star on every country that they take. They put the stamp. In Islam, they use a five-pointed star. That person is blind. And finally, number 24, and in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints. They killed Dr. Martin Luther King, they killed Malcolm X, and they'll kill you if they get a chance. They killed Dr. Martin Luther King who taught peace, and they killed Malcolm X who was teaching politics. They don't care about what religion, they will kill you, these devils. And of all that was slain upon the earth. This person is responsible for all the wars and all the murders and everything. Now, didn't that depress you a little bit? <laughs> but number 19, let me just give you a little bit of it because it makes you feel a little better. And after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments. <laughs> Don't that make you feel just a little better? For he has judged the great whore, which did corrupt the earth with a fornication, and has avenged the blood of the servants at her hand. And again they said, Ah, hallelujah, which is, and we say in Arabic, Alhamdulillah, hallelujah. Alhamdulillah. Hallelujah. And again they said what? Hallelujah. Y'all are afraid to say hallelujah. I'm surprised at y'all. And black people, y'all are so stiff. <laughs> after what you just read, and Allah tells you after that there, his judgment is just and gives you the right to say hallelujah, y'all should be saying hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't be afraid of it because it's a blessing. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah and alhamdulillah. And again they said hallelujah and it spoke rose forever and ever. See, you helped to get the burning going. And the 24 elders and the four feet 
fell down and worshiped God that sat on the throne saying, what? Amen. It's over. And then what is after that? Alhamdulillah. Hallelujah. <laughs> and a voice came out of the throne saying, praise our God. Alhamdulillah. All ye servants, Rasul Alameen, and ye that fear him, Al Mustaqim, both small and great, meaning kings and prophets. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many warriors, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, What? Hallelujah. For the Lord God omnipotent rules now. Maliki Yomidin. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. Are you as a wife ready? Are you prepared for the transition? That's what he's saying. And to her was granted. That she should be arrayed in what? In fine linen, clean and what? White. For the fine linen is of the righteousness of the saints. Are you doing it? Are you crowning yourself in the white and preparing yourself as a bride for the city? Huh? And he said unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said unto me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. They want to worship Michael and Jesus. And he said unto me, See thou, do it not. Don't worship me. Now Christians say this is God. And then Christians say this is Jesus. Then why they worship him? You tell them, don't worship me. Because what did he tell me he was? I am thy fellow servant and of thy brother that has the testimony of Jesus. So you know it ain't Jesus, it's the angel Michael, who Jesus I explained earlier, sent with the revelation. Worship God, but worship Allah. For the testimony of Isa is the spirit of prophecy that all Jesus represented was prophecy. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he does judge and make war. I could go on and on and on, but I'm as tired of reading as y'all are listening probably. <laughs> Alhamdulillah, or hallelujah. Assalamu alaikum. Uh, when it speak of in the book of Revelation 20, verse 4, about the thousand-year period, is that of the same duration of our days? Read the section you're talking about. And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus. And for the word of Allah and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark 
upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. And the question is, brother? You know, uh, the question is, uh, is those days, a thousand years, is of the same duration of our days that we live? Yes. Yes, they are, but in this respect, when they say lived and reigned, we're talking about the Marillion, lived and reigned with Messiah for a thousand years, they mean not here. They mean in the Crystal City. What they speak about is a new Jerusalem that comes down out of heaven, having 20 and 4 elders surrounding you. That is an actual, what you might call, space station from here. That's a crystal city in the Quran referred to as Darul Islam, the abode of peace. Darul Islam in the Quran is not on earth. You follow? And so mm -hmm. now, yes, these 144,000 will be lifted from earth, taken up like the scripture says, Isa and Maryam went up, and Rasulullah Muhammad went up in Isra, and Ilyas went up, and Enoch or Idris went up. Mm -hmm. These elders, these 23 elders, will take 144,000 perfect beings here up, and they will reside in the Crystal City for a thousand years to be taught by what you refer to as extraterrestrials or the masters who have been visiting the pyramids for thousands of years. And that thousand-year period can be a duration of either a thousand by your time or a thousand by their time. By that I mean when you break the speed of light, which is necessary to get out of Earth's atmosphere, we know light travels 186,272 feet per second. When you break the speed of light, time starts to slow up at a certain point. So to travel intergalactically from one part of a galaxy to the next, you would not lose a second. In fact, you can become younger when you arrive there. The same way you can travel from one side of your planet to the next and be behind time. You can leave on Thursday and arrive there on Wednesday the same week. You follow? Mm -hmm. That's because of a time belt here. That's one law of time. There, galactically, the solar system has a time belt by distance. When you break a certain speed, then you reverse in time. Meaning that when Nebi Musa, alayhi salatu wasalam, Moses, mm -hmm. left from Mount Mori with the aid of the angels and went on to Malakut, which is referred to in the Quran as the heavens, Samawet of Allah. When he went there, by the time he got to the other side, he was the same exact age, one day, which would have taken a thousand years of earth time to get that far. Because, like I said, light travels at 186,272 feet per second. Right. And a light year there with times 365 would be 5 trillion miles away. This particular galaxy alone, Terra, to another side, it can take a thousand years of your time. Which means Musa, alayhi salatu would have became a thousand years old by the time he got to the destination. You mm -hmm. see? Mm -hmm. But when he breaks speed, when he arrives, he's the exact same age. When he returned, him and Elijah, to Jesus... To meet him, they were still the same age, though Elijah had left over 4,000 years before him, and Moses another 4,000 and came back at Jesus' time another two. You see what I'm saying? So there's a time, though, it depends on where you are. And that shows you because, I'll give you a perfect example. If you look from Seattle, Washington to Florida, the higher you get, the smaller it becomes until it moves from miles to yards, to inches, 
to fractions of an inch until the United States becomes a dot. Mm -hmm. So the distance it would take mentally to travel from Seattle, Washington to Florida is less than a second. Then the higher you go, it's so short the distance that you can't conceive it because you merely see a dot. And you understand what I'm saying? Yes. So there's different time belts depending on which angle you're looking from. So the answer to your question is, like it says in Scripture, a thousand years could be one day and one day could be like under a thousand years. It depends on where that spirit is going. And now in the view of these children, they're talking about a thousand year period, which will give y'all the seven thousand year. Because the devil's reign is up in the six thousand year, which is really the two thousand year of this new calendar that he made because from canon of the Torah down to Isa el Messiah, Jesus the Messiah, was 4,000 years. You see? Mm -hmm. And then Jesus the Messiah became the year one, which is an obvious contradiction because they say 1 BC and then number two is 2 AD. So either Jesus died at the age of two or somebody made a mistake in their calendar. Because it was B.C. before Christ, and then A.D. Anno Dominus after Christ, on two, then there's something wrong. Okay? Mm -hmm. Well, let's move on. At number one, the year one started one of the new Christian calendar. With 4,000 years added on that, we'd now be in the year 5,000, right? Right. 987. Correct? Yes. Leaving us... How much before 2,000? Uh, How much before 6,000, for that matter? Now listen, if this is 1,987 uh, year, yeah. right? How many more would make it 2,000? 13. That's right. Yeah. So now, you are at the end of the devil's 2,000 year which is equivalent to 6,000 years from his Adam. And his Adam was canon in Noah's time with the one with the curse of leprosy, which made him albino or white in complexion, as found in the books of Leviticus 13 and 14 when they received the curse. Mm -hmm. His rule is up. Like Elijah Muhammad was telling people, his rule is up in the year 6,000, which starts 1,000 before the seventh day of creation is complete. Can you understand that? Understand Which gives you one more thousand year to prepare before the time allotted to humane beings is through. Mm -hmm. Okay? Yeah. Check on it. We will continue with true light after this chant. <laughs>
If you would like a cassette copy of this week's True Light broadcast, send $5 to True Light, 719 Bushwick Avenue, Brooklyn, New York, 11221. Come talk with someone who knows a universal doctrine, who can answer all your questions and fulfill your needs. Now let us return to the True Light with Sayyid al-Imam Isa al-Hadi al-Mahdi. Remember, you are the light and you have the power over all things. Um, you said black people didn't have um, souls anymore. Did they were black, black people. Did they become light people? Black, black. Oh, sorry. <laughs> they were becoming evil and they didn't have souls. And I wanted to um, to know how you can tell, you know, what are the characteristics from the people changing. The whole emotional state of black people has changed from familyism, as you would have it, to individualism. Everything is about themselves, which makes them more accessible to drugs, because drugs is a personal experience. I don't care if you're in a crowd of 20 people. The moment you inhale crack or inject heroin, you are then an individual for the moment. The stimulant is individual. There are 50 people in a room taking the drugs. Each one becomes an individual. We have now become like the devil, attracted to our individualism and lost our tribal and community involvement. We have once were tribal people, and that meant that when new people are in that, like in that room out there, in the newcomer's class, there's people there sitting there that won't even look at each other. They don't even interact with each other emotionally. They'll come in this class and sit here from 1 o'clock until 6, and don't even, at the end of the class, walk up and say, well, because we all have the same interests for the fact that we're here, what's your name? My name is this, and I'm reading such and such a book, and so-and-so, where do you live at? Maybe we can interact and communicate and help each other. Everybody sitting there is an individual. They are God written out as they can for themselves to either convince themselves to come in or wait for the mistake that they'll never find so they don't have to come in. Because all these people are sitting there hoping one thing he can't answer. He'll never find the question he can't be answered. I've been doing this for more years than your great-grandmothers were born. And I've been asked every question you all can imagine. So if you came here to hope I can't answer the question, you're in for a big letdown. So you probably be prepared. And so they, but they will not interact with each other. They're sitting there. They won't even look at each other at times. They won't smile at each other. We come in, we have this frown on our face when we're on the subway. We have this frown on our face when we walk down the street. We have this frown on our face when we get to our jobs. We have to learn to interact with each other and learn to care for each other. With this absence of community or tribal relationship, we are a tribe, you know. Without this tribal tie and without this tribal relationship, there's an absence of, what do you call, soul. And then the new generation of young kids, you look at the new generation and look at the way they dance, the way they move, what they call hip-hop. It's all off-beat, all off-timing. All this rap stuff they're doing is out of the pocket as they have it. Their music, you have, music is mathematics. You have whole notes, quarter notes, half notes, sixteen. You have a whole bunch of things interacting at the same time. You come to find out that a lot of people, the new generation of people, they don't have this. They are creating a, a kind of art form of music that is maliciously off the beat and out of timing. You follow? This is done by the devil. We've never had a kind of music that the white people can do. But nowadays, you have all these black people saying, wow, 
music. You've given up your type of music and came over to his because he created all kinds of computers in the music industry so he could have click systems and digital machines for drumming and stuff that would give him beat. And then if you didn't take your music and sync it to his BPMs or beats per minute, then your record wouldn't get played. So what happened is black people who would go into a studio and just create an emotional vibe and call it soul music had to adjust their music to computerize equipment. Learn drum sets and rolling drum sets and emulators and stimulators, all these types of uh, advanced equipment. But in the process, they give up their soul. And then they learn to sing on that beat. And as long as that beat is going, take, 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 take. Then the white man can come along and emulate you by not only getting the picks that you put in your computer by just programming it, but then he can listen to where you go, how you vamp, and how you go off the beat, and set his picks on that too. And then he gets three pick machines going, and then you come and say, well, this white guy sounds black. Yeah, but if you see him in a condition where you walked up and said, just start humming out some beautiful rhythm, he couldn't do it. So what he's done is he transposed our people from our music, soul music, into his music. Now the whole music industry is playing his music. And now they look like they got soul, and our new kids have went into a new thing. It's the absence of music, that's for the absence of art, though. And so you find black people are losing their souls. And remember, that in the 23rd song that David who was playing the harp, had his soul restored out of that when he said he restored.